and we're on air right now at Fan for Racing Radio, and it is uh, 7.30 on Monday, September the 19th, and uh, we are here for our Bristol NASCAR Race Review and Hot Topics Sound Off. Uh, so I'll go ahead and do the review. Uh, joining me shortly will be our co-host, Sal Sagala. We'll start with the latest short track news, and we'll follow that up with uh, the review of the Arca Menards, Arca East, and Sioux Chief Showdown Series at Bristol Motor Speedway. Uh, three series accumulating points in one race. Uh, after that, we'll do a quick update on the Arca West Series. Uh, at 9 o'clock, we have the media interview with the NASCAR Truck Series winner this weekend at Bristol, Ty Majeski, driver of the number 66 Toyota at Thorsport Racing. Afterward, we will review the Truck Series race at Bristol Motor Speedway. Uh, starting at 9.30, we'll review the Xfinity Series and then the Cup Series at Bristol. And at 10 o'clock is this time for our NASCAR Hot Topic Sound Off with the Fan for Racing crew. Joining me now, though, is our co-host uh, for tonight, and that is Sal Sagala. Welcome to the show, Sal. Well, thank you, Sharon. It's good to have you back. Okay, we're going to go ahead and uh, start with some short track news. I sent you some info in the Teams app. Uh, I'm not sure if you received it or not, but uh, anyway, there's uh, several situations here. Uh, In the world of outlaws, Logan Shustart used a late slider to win the World of Outlaws Sprint Car Series, Tom Tarleton Classic at Color Auto Speedway. So that was pretty cool. Also, Jonathan Davenport was a big winner in the Lucas Oil Late Model race that took place out at Knoxville Nationals. Uh, this is all on dirt. Matt Shepard took home the $53,000 with a key uh, short track Super Series Triumph at Fonda Speedway. So uh, a big win for him. And Brent Marks took a last lap pass to a dirt classic win with the All-Star Circuit of Champions Field at Lincoln Speedway. Okay, there I am. Rogers, okay, you can do the short track. Jaden Rogers scored his first USAC sprint car feature uh, win at Hopstock. So uh, that's the dirt update. Uh, you want to go do the three for short tracks? Mark, you're on the Flow Racing, right? No, I, I sent it to you on the Teams app. A rundown of some of the winners in uh, dirt and short tracks. Oh, okay, here we go. Okay, I'm sorry. Okay, yeah, so we got Justin Bonsignor used a Riverhead Raceway victory to climb into the NASCAR Wayland Modified Tour competition. And then from there, then we go to uh, Patrick. A lot of these guys have such hard names to pronounce. Patrick LaPurdy <laughs> narrowly won the fall foliage to winner by Mir. 0.023 seconds over DJ Saw. Saw, and you can read that one on Race in America. And this one you can also read on Race in America, which is the Pro All-Star Series. 
uh, finish with Sean Gabe Brown was even closer with Brown inching out by just point zero zero three thousandths of a second. Wow. That that had to that had to be a that was, that had to be a photo finish right there. Um, <laughs> no William kidding. William Solich, yeah, William Solich earned his second ARCA CRA Super Series victory in a row at Toledo Speedway. And then before we go into the next one, out here at Irondale Speedway, we had um, Travis Thurkettle with the Spears SRL Modified Tour won the won the um, the Modified Series. Uh, we had a really good finish with the Prolate with the Spears SRL Prolate Prolate Model Series. Um, Nick Joannides, he's a old veteran from Irondale out here, got the win after. Um, Dean Thompson dumped uh, Dylan Zamp on the last lap, oh, and uh, man. they they, uh, they red flagged they red flagged um, Dean and kicked him off the track. And then he came back to try to say there was oil on the track, which there wasn't. It was it was it was dirty. It was a dirty move. He hooked him on the front stretch where you never hooked nobody. Dylan bar- barely missed the in, in the inside attenuated, which would have been really bad. And um, basically. Stole the win from him. Nick Joannides got the win. And then in the uh, Super Late, uh, we had another uh, another new winner, a first-time winner, actually, who's battled with Derek Thorne all last year and had a good battle with Chase Hansen earlier in the year. But um, Buddy Shepard, who we've had on the show before, finally uh-huh. got his um, – finally got his uh, – his, um, his SRL win. And um, actually, it was in dominating fashion. Well, very good, very, very good. Okay. Um, also, on dirt, Caden Steele suffered a scary fiery incident on a, in a race on Thursday night before heading to the hospital to be checked out. Uh, that's uh, available at the Cali Dirt video on Twitter. Uh, so, if you want to see more about that, uh, Cali Dirt video. Uh, and then also on short tracks, Ryan Priest picked up an outlaw open modified win at Thompson Speedway Motorsport Park, and you can read about that over at Racing America. So that's just some of the uh, news. Uh, we told you about Justin Bonsignor. Uh, that's available at Flow Racing. Uh, Jaden Rogers' win is available uh, via U- uh, Richie Murray from USAC Media. Uh, let's see, Tyler Altmeyer, uh, part of allstarsprint.com. Speedsport talked about Matt Shepard's win. And Jonathan Davenport, uh, that article is available at Dirt of Dirt. And Mike Warren at theworldofoutlaws.com uh, told us about Logan's shoe, shoe charts. So uh, a lot of race winners this weekend in the short track series. Yeah, it was, a, it was a good weekend for some short track racing, and um, we got actually we got more coming up, uh, you know, in the next uh, next few weeks. So yes, keep an eye, we keep do. an eye out for it. Keep an eye out at uh, uh, Racing America and Flow Racing because, and we'll talk about it on Thursday night as well. Some of the races that are coming up uh, within uh, a lot of these different series. Uh, but you can go to Flow Racing or Racing America and get a heads up as well as far as uh, a lot of these races and and 
what to expect. Uh, no shortage of races in the uh, short track scene. Yes, that's for sure. There was not. <laughs> so uh, there's even some midweek racing. Uh, I'll kind of tell you about a couple of those. Uh, tomorrow, September the 30th, um, I'm sorry, September the 20th, uh, they've got, well, I'm not quite understanding this. It, it just says, watch flow racing 24-7. Uh, the first race that comes up here, 5.30 on Thursday, September the 22nd, is the USAC James Dean Classic at Gas City I-69 Speedway. So the rest of them we can kind of tell you more about on Thursday night. But if you want to watch that one, it's available at 5.30 p.m. on on September the 22nd. Uh, I believe that that's local time. I'm in the central time zone, so uh, you'll want to check your listings to make sure you've got the right time. Anything else you think we need to uh, make sure we mention here, Sal? No, that's really it. I mean, we're we're not we're not set for another another Spirit SRL tour race for a while. So, um, uh, we did have our championship night at Irondale two weeks ago. Oh no, we haven't had our championship night. But uh, either way, um, Lenny White went and wrapped up the championship two weeks ago. I know I wasn't here on Monday for the uh, for the for the Pro League division out here at Irondale Speedway. So they kind of celebrated a little bit. And he, he's also the California state champion in the NASCAR uh, in the NASCAR um, points for the state so uh, I'm sure they were really excited about that about that win and that championship well absolutely uh, let's go ahead and move on then Sal I, uh, I know we're a few minutes ahead of schedule but let's move on uh, to that season finale for the ARCA East but it was also a race for the Arkham Menard Series, and it was also a season finale for the Sioux Chief Showdown. One race, three different series, and Sammy Smith was the winner. Uh, and he actually took two titles for the Arca East Championship as well as the Sioux Chief Showdown title. Yeah, it was, uh, I, gosh, I think I caught some of that race. In addition, he also got the East Series owner's title for Kyle Busch Motorsports. So uh, it was a big night for Sammy Smith out there at Bristol Motor Speedway um, this weekend. From the first green flag of the... Go ahead. The headlines is all the headlines is all Sammy Smith, Sammy Smith, Sammy Smith all the way across the board. (laughs) Yep. Yep, it is. Um, I'll tell you, from the first green flag in the East Series this season uh, at New Smyrna Speedway, not a single driver could consistently match the pace that was set by Smith. It's been that way all season long. So, In seven races, Smith tallied five victories and led nearly 800 laps. He also never finished outside the top five with his worst finish of the season, 
being a fifth place run at Dover Motor Speedway. So Smith carried that uh, into the Sioux Chief Showdown, and even though the wins were not quite as frequent, Smith still managed to visit Victory Lane on four different occasions and made the perfect record inside the top five. That's in ten races for the Sioux Chief Showdown. One of the few people that was able to best uh, Sammy Smith was uh, Brandon Jones. He saw an opportunity to overtake his teammate and claim his fourth Larkin Menard Series victory of the year after Ashton Higgins crashed to set up a two-lap sprint to the finish. Jones knew he had one shot to pull alongside Smith on the restart, but uh, he couldn't make his car stick on the bottom, and uh, so he had to be... um, uh, happy with second place. Jones considered the evening a success and believes that the knowledge attained from Thursday helped him in the race in the Xfinity Series on Friday night. So uh, let's. I'm going to go through the top ten finishers here, Sal, and then we'll kind of talk about this race. Uh, Sammy Smith, of course, finished first, first with Brandon Jones in second. Then it was Taylor Gray and Roger Carruth both rookies along with Smith. Daniel Dye and Parker Chase in fifth and sixth. Again, two rookies. Andres Perez de Lara, another rookie, finished in seventh. Andy Jakowiak, another rookie, finished in eighth, followed by Connor Mosack and Jesse Love, who's considered a rookie in the Arkham Menard series. So uh, your thoughts about the, this race? Yeah, I was a- it was a good, tightly contested race, and, you know, of course, Sammy Smith came out on top. Brandon Jones did, did give him a good run for his money. Um, it was good to see Brandon doing the doing the double this week. You know, I guess we'll mm-hmm. talk about was it Brad? Yeah, that's right. He ran the Xfinity race also on, on uh, Friday night. He ran the Xfinity race. Yeah. Yes, so, see Taylor Gray and DJR Ford back up there in the, in the top five. Of course, Roger Cruz has always been a has always been contender. a factor throughout the whole season. Yeah, a good contender and uh you know, and Jesse Love, you know, of course grabbing the you know, the, the top ten spot. Okay, that was the season finale for the Arca East, so do you want to go ahead and cover the standings there, Sal? Yeah, so the standings of the Arca East are as uh, Sammy Smith has uh, a sizable lead over Taylor Gray at 41 points. Taylor Gray sitting in second. Leyland, Leyland Honeyman sitting in third, 80 points back. Stephanie Moyer is uh, sitting in fourth. She's 128 back, 128 points back. Number five is Brad Smith. Grabs out the top five. And then from there, then we go down to Jake Finch, who finished sixth. Christian Rose finished seventh. Roger Cruz in eighth, Jesse Love in ninth, and Nick Sanchez rounded out the top ten. Okay, and that's in the ARCA East. Uh, Roger Carruth had a couple of races that really hurt him uh, the last, the previous two races just before this one. Uh, so it was good to see him have that rebound, uh, but it kind of took him out of the running here in the ARCA East. Yeah, it did. It did. It did hurt him. But um. Okay. Now I'm not sure. Do we have the Sioux Chief Showdown standings? 
Sometimes um, they're not up on Monday night. No, nah, they're not. Yeah, they're you know not what? I should have taken a picture. I should take a picture of the screen when they when they showed it on on Friday or on Thursday <laughs> That's night. That's what we're going to have to start doing, Sal, because for whatever reason we can't seem to get uh, uh, that Sioux Chief Showdown uh, point standings. Uh, let me see. I'm going to click this link and see if that takes us to it. Uh, Sammy Smith. Uh, nope, I still don't have it. Okay, uh, I will say last season Ty Gibbs won the Sioux Chief Showdown Championship uh, for Joe Gibbs Racing. Uh, it was part of a dominant year for Ty Gibbs. A lot of you will remember that. Uh, driving the same car, but this time under Kyle Busch Motorsports, Sammy Smith repeated Gibbs' feat by securing that Sioux Chief Showdown. Um, Smith is an 18-year-old who drives from uh, Johnston, Iowa. He clinched his first showdown title with his win at Bristol Motor Speedway in the series finale. Uh, on the way to that victory, he also clinched the Arkham Menards East Championship for the second year in a row. Uh, established in 2015, a short track challenge and having since evolved to include road course events, the Sioux Chief Showdown is ARCA series within a series that brings together the best Arkham Menard series and Arkham Menard series East and West drivers. Each year, the 10 race uh, showdown series held at various short tracks and road courses offers drivers who might not be old enough to race at the bigger ovals a chance to compete for a championship against drivers who are. True to its purpose, the inaugural 2015 title was actually won by Kyle Weatherman, who was only eligible to compete in 15 of 20 Arkham Menard Series races that year due to age restrictions. So uh, Smith won four of ten races on the Sioux Chief Showdown schedule at Berlin, Elko, the Milwaukee Mile, and Bristol. He also scored runner-up finishes at Iowa, Lucas Oil Indianapolis Raceway Park, with the third-place runs coming at Phoenix Raceway, the Mid-Ohio Sports Car Course, and the Coin State Fairgrounds. So what a year for Sammy Smith. Oh, yeah, it was definitely a heck of a year, you know. And, you know, when you look back at, you know, the wins that he had and, you know, uh, runner-up finishes, which were second-place finishes, you know, he had a really good, uh, solid, productive year. And uh, see what our 2023 is going to bring for him. Yes, indeed. Now, we also have points for a third series. Uh, this was also an Arkham Menard series race. Uh, so let's go ahead and cover the points in the Arkham Menard series. So. In the uh, Arkham Menard series, we got um, Nick Sanchez, who's leading the points. Second is Daniel Dye. Third is Roger Caruth. Fourth is Greg Van Alst. And the round out the top five is Tony Tony Breidinger. And then from there, then we go down to sixth, which is Sammy Smith. Seventh is Albert Balkin. Eighth is Brad Smith. Ninth is Taylor Gray. And Zachary Tinkle round out the top the top ten in the in the uh, Marcon Archery. All right. So uh, it looks like. Uh... Uh, Nick Sanchez may be on his way to a series title. Uh, there are, uh, let's see, Arkham Menards has two more races left. The Arca West has three more races left. Uh, left. 
they're actually uh, the next race is actually a combination event with the Arkham and Art Series West and the Arkham and Art Series. Uh, that uh, actually it's two different races in two different places of the country. Arkham and Art Series is racing October 1st at Salem Speedway at 4 p.m. That'll be televised on MAV TV Motorsports Network, and it'll also be available for live streaming at Flow Racing. And then um, ArcaRacing.com will have radio coverage. Then on October the 1st, the same day, <clears throat> at 9.45 p.m., the ARCA West will race at All-American Speedway, uh, available for live streaming on Flow Racing with radio coverage at ARCAracing.com. And then there will be a USA Delay uh, broadcast on October the 10th at 2 p.m. Eastern. So that's what's up next, most recent. Uh, for the uh, Arkham and Art Series in the Arca West. Uh, but the following week, the Arkham and Art Series will have their season finale, so there's just two more races left in the Arkham and Art Series schedule. They'll race their finale on Saturday, October the 8th, at Toledo Speedway, Al. Uh, for, um, did I say Al? I mean Sal. <laughs> uh, at 4 p.m. Eastern Time on MAV-TV Motorsports Network and Flow Racing will have live streaming, and then Arca Racing will have the radio coverage. After that, there's still two races left for the Arca West. On Friday, October the 14th, they'll race at the Bull Ring at Las Vegas Motor Speedway at 11.35 p.m. That'll be on uh, tape delay on Friday, October the 21st at 5 p.m., but it will be live streamed at Flow Racing with radio coverage on ArcaRacing.com. And Friday, November 4th, is the Arkham and Art Series West finale at Phoenix Raceway, 2.30 p.m. Eastern Time, available live streaming on Flow Racing. And then they'll have radio coverage for this one on MRN and SiriusXM NASCAR radio channel 391 and 981. Uh, as well as ArcaRacing.com. So uh, not much left in this in all of these series, but the Arca East is done. Yep, we're coming down to the home stretch when it, when races going to pretty soon all races going to be over with, and we're going to be uh, get back to binge watching on uh, Netflix. Yeah, one of the th- <laughs> one of the things that I love about the Arkham and Art series is it does have an international flair. We've had drivers from Australia and from Mexico and Canada. Uh, uh, there's been a lot of uh, different drivers that have participated. And this past weekend it was Andres Perez de Lara, and there's an article over at Arca Racing uh, that, where he describes his experience of his first Arkham and Art series race at Bristol Motor Speedway. I saw him on TV, and he was pretty pumped up. Uh, it sounds like we're going to see him some more. Yeah, that's that's good when, when, you, know, when you see a driver come out like that, you know, with the, um, you know, with the, uh, you know, with that enthusiasm, you know, and, uh, you know, hopefully it rose off on, you know, some of the other drivers and, you know, that, that he uh, races against because, uh, it's going to be neat to see to see where he where he's coming from. 
Yes, indeed. Also, if you're wondering about the 2023 schedule, the ARCA schedule comes together with the NASCAR National Series release. It's not the complete schedule, I don't think, uh, but there are a few races that are mentioned on here where they'll be racing combination events uh, for the weekend uh, with the NASCAR National Series. So starting out at Daytona, uh, then Phoenix on March 10th, Talladega Super Speedway the weekend of April 22nd and 23rd, Kansas Speedway on May 6th, Michigan the weekend of August 4 to 6th, Lucas Oil Raceway Park Friday, August the 11th, Watkins Glen International Friday, August the 18th, at the Milwaukee Mile on Sunday, August the 27th, and Kansas Speedway uh, to be determined, but it'll be the weekend of September 8 to 10. The East, we know that they'll be racing at Dover Motor Speedway on Friday, April the 28th, and for the ARCA West, they'll be racing at Phoenix Raceway on Saturday, November the 4th. So, again, uh, it's not a complete schedule yet for the ARCA Menard Series, but those races are in the books as a preview. Yeah, so so they're just... Uh... It's going to be exciting. I'll tell you, this ARCA is really doing something with the, uh, you know, like the racing program. So can't wait to get this season wrapped up and get into next season and see what the series is going to have for us. Yes, indeed. Now, if you want to watch some video of uh, some of the race highlights, they do have that over at ARCARacing.com. Um, and we've updated you on all the series point standings. Um I'm trying to see here. I still don't see Sue Chief showdown points, but uh, there's a lot of really great yeah, uh, videos. Them. Huh? Yeah, I can't find them. Yeah, I can't find them either. So what I would suggest is that if you want to know the standings, uh, they do have a standings link in the uh, information bar at com. And you can check the Sioux Chief Showdown if you click the drop-down box. Uh, you can check that Sioux Chief Showdown for updates sometime this week. Uh, I'm sure they will update those point standings. Okay. Anything else we need to talk about here? No, I think we think we got all that just about uh just about covered. Okay. Well, let's go ahead and go to uh, uh, the truck series. The truck series raced at Bristol Motor Speedway this past weekend, and uh, uh, it was a uh, was this an, this was the first race of the next round, if I remember correctly. Is that correct, Sal? Yes. Yes, it is. Okay. The first race of the next round. So what happens is uh, the drivers that win in this round will become part of the final four drivers that race for the championship at Phoenix. Now, the winner this week uh, and the first driver to secure his spot in the final four was Ty Majeski. So I do have some post-race audio here uh, of the media interview with Ty Majeski right after he won at Bristol Motor Speedway. So we'll take a listen to that, and then Sal, you and I will talk on the other side. 
Okie dokie. All right, we've now been joined by our race winner, Ty Majeski of tonight's 25th Annual UNOH 200 presented by Ohio Logistics. Ty, congratulations on that win. Um, in those final laps, I know this win locks you in for a spot in the final four going into Phoenix. Was, was that on your mind, or were you more focused on just getting the win in general? Uh, I think a little bit of both. Um, I think the eight championship contenders came into Bristol you know, really wanting to win the race. Obviously, you know, no one wants to go to Talladega and now locked into Phoenix. Um, it's such a huge wild card, and uh, we we brought our best truck here and, and put our, you know, best effort we could into winning this race because we knew, um, given the amount of playoff points we have, and, um, you know, we knew winning Bristol was our easiest avenue, obviously. So, um, obviously, you know, hard to win these races, right? You've got to execute on, on all levels and at the right time, and, um, it's difficult to do that. So uh, just proud of everybody at Thor Sport, Road Ranger. Um, this is such a cool win for us. Um, to win at Bristol under the lights, um, as a short track guy like me, this is a, this is a dream come true. This is your first victory in 40 starts in the Camping World Truck Series. Um, first of all, congratulations on that. But um, like you said, how much, did it win, how much did it mean to you to win here at Bristol for your first race? Well, um, you know, my NASCAR career has been up and down for sure. Um, you know, there's a lot of times where I thought potentially it was it was coming to an end. And, um, you know, Duke and Ronda took a chance on me last season, and I went to go work there as an engineer, uh, ran races for him last year and, and turned it into a full-time deal. And I knew um, that this was, you know, a really good opportunity for me, you know, Duke and Ronda run uh, state-of-the-art uh, operation up in, up in Sandusky, Ohio. And, um getting to know how they work and, and uh, sort of the atmosphere that they've grown up in Sandusky. It just fit me and, and fit, uh, fit my family, and, and logistically it made sense being in Ohio. I'm um, able to, you know, locate to Wisconsin pretty often and um, be around my family, which, is, uh, which makes it easy. And um, it's just cool to finally get in victory lane. We've been so close, I feel like, throughout the season. And, um, no better time to, to execute and pull one off than, than uh, the second round of playoffs. All right. We're now going to go to questions. If you have a question, raise your hand. Let me get to as many people as I can. I want to start with Bob. Oh, Jacob, go ahead. Jacob Spielman kicking the tires. Ty, first off, congratulations. Um, I know you've scratched and clawed at every level from the short tracks all the way up, and I know you've been close how many times this season. Is there something poetic about a short track guy like yourself finally getting the job done here of all places? I think so. Um, you know, I've been a part of a lot of short track races and a lot of premier short track races. And, um, you know, when it came down to that last restart, it was just another late race restart in, in position to win. And um, I've been fortunate enough to, to be in, a, you know, in that position a lot throughout my career. Uh, maybe not on the NASCAR stage, but I've got a lot of experience in it. And um, I wasn't nervous. It was just, again, I just took it as another restart. Um, I, I think Joe was more nervous than I was. He was like, "Okay, you gotta hit your, you know, hit your ships here." And I'm like, "Yeah, I know." <laughs> so it was uh, just just cool to execute. Finally, uh, we've been so close all season long. Uh, felt like we have tr had had trucks capable of winning, and uh, we we're finally able to put it all together tonight. All right, Bob, go ahead. It's not unprecedented for a driver to get their first win at Phoenix win a championship, which we saw at Emmerich last year, but how, like, how different do you think it will be going into Phoenix, 
going for a championship with knowing that you won a race and have closed the deal at least once before? I feel good about it. Um, you know, our strong suit, I think, has been short tracks this year. Ran really good at Richmond. Had a really fast truck at Gateway. Didn't have the results. So um, I feel good about going to Phoenix. Uh, I think we've, you know, developed a good short track package over the course of this season. Um, you know, obviously, you know, Joe Shear has been notorious for having um, a lot of success on short tracks with uh, with Johnny and, and Cole Custer and really anybody he's, he's worked with. So um, Phoenix is a short track, but it, you know, it, it's kind of pretty aero dependent, like a, like an intermediate. So um, it's kind of a cross between the two. Um, but we're gonna, you know, we've been working hard. We've been doing some preliminary preliminary sim on it uh, for Phoenix already, and hopefully we can we can unload with a good setup. Uh, we've been unloaded so close and, and so fast in these practice sessions, and um, that makes the, the day go a lot easier when you unload that close. So um, just testament to Joe, um, all of our engineering staff. Uh, it, it's fun to be a part of those conversations and be a part of, um, you know, having set up input and, and being in the room with these guys, um, you know, coming up with, with what we're going to unload with that weekend. So I love being a part of it with these guys, and we go to the racetrack and win together. It's, uh, it's pretty cool. All right, Matt, go ahead. Matt Weaver, Racing America. Zane said that he felt like he launched better on the bottom on the PJ1, but it looked like the top was obviously super vital for restarts. When Zane chose the bottom, did you think, okay, well, this is what I needed, or did it not really matter? Um, I didn't know. The biggest thing is the launch. You know, if, if, you can, if you're the bottom guy and you can get into one side-by-side, the bottom is probably preferred, but the launch is it's so much easier to hit when you're in the top groove, it seemed like, especially tonight. Um, you know, I, I didn't really know what to think. Obviously, I was going to go in whatever lane he didn't, um, just to give yourself a chance to, to win and, and beat him into one. And, um, you know, he spun his tires a little bit and um, maybe missed his shift or, or waited too long to shift. I heard him hit the chip, um, and that was, uh, you know, that was my opening. And I knew once we got out in clean air, I uh, had a little bit fresher tires than what he had, and, uh, you know, I had run them down in that previous run, so I knew once I got out front, uh, we were going to be pretty tough to beat. And then the, um, the adversity has been well documented, your, your NASCAR-specific journey. Uh, do you even, like, think about that in the last several laps or during the cool-down laps? I mean, right now, is the adrenaline still kind of the overriding thing, or has it started to hit you that, hey, I'm a winner, and what does that mean? I don't know. You know, it's it, there. It, it, you know, there's a lot of confusing emotions for sure. Um, this has, you know, obviously been a long road, but I, I knew I've known in my heart that I could succeed at this level in, given the right opportunity. Um, there's been, you know, a lot of great people around me that have pushed me through hard times and and um, and, and kept me going when it when it looked like it maybe wasn't going to happen. And uh, we just kept pushing. And like I said, I took the back seat to, to driving last year. Ran four races, you know, took an engineering job at Thor Sport in hopes it would turn into this. And um, I knew, you know, I, I learned a lot from my past failures. Um, maybe to some people they weren't failures, but to me they were. And um, I've learned a lot from those and took all those lessons and um, applied it to this season. Just really was trying to take um, what the truck would give me and not trying to, you know, take a 10th place truck and finish 7th with it. If it was 10th that day, just finish 10th in one piece and, and work on it and make it better. And that's kind of the mentality that I've had this season. And um, I, I feel like I knew when the timing was right, I, w- I would have gotten aggressive. And um, I feel like we did tonight, and we're able to execute at the right time. All right, we're going to go to Deb, then up to the press box for a question, and then back downstairs. Go ahead, Deb. Uh, Deb Williams, Racing Today. 
Facebook.com. Uh, congratulations, Ty. To go a little bit more on your engineering and working in the shop, how did that benefit you tonight as you went for the win? Well, I, you know, I could think I'm different from most drivers in the sense that I know exactly what's in the truck. So uh, me, Joe Shear, my crew chief, Ryan, my engineer, uh, we sit in Joe's office for probably four hours a day just running sim. And, you know, we're coming up with different ideas together, and I'm talking about my past experiences, and Joe's talking about his past experiences at a certain racetrack. And, um, you know, Ryan's running the computer. He's, you know, new to asphalt racing, but he's a, he's a great dude and uh, a great engineer. He's doing a great job in his first year. So um, it's just a, a team effort, and I love being a part of those conversations. Um, I'm very much a part of that on my late model program, and I've gotten to the point where I've got enough experience to to be a benefit in that sense. Um, I'm an NASCAR side now, so it's, that's an aspect of it I really enjoy. I love being a race car driver, but I also love um, you know coming up with new ideas and being part of the setup conversations. Um, that's something I, I thoroughly enjoy almost as much as driving, and uh, being able to be a part of that and going to the racetrack and, and racing. Um, what you've helped come up with is is uh, pretty gratifying. Okay, he gave some uh, really great information in that interview. Sal, your thoughts about uh, his race winning night? Yeah, I mean, he kind of you know put it all together. Yeah, you know what he felt, what he was going through. Um, you know, I've had the opportunity to talk with Ty before. You know, I talked to him after he won the Snowball Derby a couple of years ago, and. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's really, really, um, really knowledgeable down to earth. You know what? And, and he, he knows what he wants. He knows what he's after, you know, which is basically the thing, you know, with all the drivers. But, um, you know, he, he just, like you said, you know what? You could hear the confidence in his voice that he, you know, that he had, you know, knowing that, you know, if he was given an opportunity, you know, that he could get the job done, you know what? And, and, and now he's got his focus set you know, which is where it should be, you know, on Phoenix, you know what, yeah, we've still got races to race before we get to there, you know what, but, you know, the, the right now it's, you know, it's all about Phoenix, he's already locked in, you know, so now, mm-hmm. you know, he's really got to put his focus, you know, on, on just that one race, yeah, win a couple more if he can, but if he can't, you know what, put your focus where it belongs, and um, he felt like, you know, like he's going to be uh he could be a contender. He he could possibly be a factor. Come, come. Uh, yeah, come what November. a lot of people, what a lot of people don't realize, and he mentions it in this interview, is that he used to be an engineer at Thor Sport Racing, uh, and that's what led to him getting an opportunity to race. And he's so ha- he's so involved in that race setup he knows exactly what he has underneath him and he knows exactly what he needs to do differently i think if things aren't going well so it was good to see all of that kind of come together and to hear him talk about uh you know working with joe shear jr who is a championship winning crew chief uh and and you know putting all their heads together to come up with the winning plan yeah, the only thing is, you know what? It's kind of funny that he mentioned that because when when I when I because I, I I was at the Governor's Cup about six five six years ago when he won the Governor's Cup in New Smyrna, and you know what? I I don't see him as hands on as what he says he is. You know, here at Thor Sport, of course, it's different because um, mm-hmm. talking with 
with Dean Thompson this past Saturday at Irondale. You know, he's you know he's raced late models at Irondale. You know, then you know did the full season, and he says when you get back east, when you get to North Carolina, he goes everything is your whole weekend, your whole week is racing, racing, racing. You know, so you know well, maybe in that aspect, you know, he he did change his work ethic, you know, to match, you know. You know, it's, it's it's a lot different, you know, when you're just a weekend racer, you know. Well, they're weekend racers, too, but well, I mean, you're just, uh, you he know. He talks about having but, that up-and-down career. You know, he, there were yeah, times oh, that he, he did he have had, a ride. And so he, yeah. he he came to Thorsport to be an engineer. Uh, so he has that kind of a background. And so uh, just having that knowledge, I think, is really huge for a race car driver. Uh, to be able to communicate with their crew chief and and the people that are supporting him, I think that really helps in the communication process. Oh, it, it does. I mean, it does. I mean, we I see it in Derek in Derek Thorne. You know, every race. You know, Derek is. You know, he Derek can fabricate. Derek can do all all that stuff. You know, and you know what? And, and it's really neat. You know, here to hear. You know how you know how Ty got the ride. You know what, and, and what catapulted him, you know, to you know where he's at today because, you know, he he is a he is a really good he is a really good driver. You know what, he he's, he's put his time in. I mean, you know, yeah, the first driver from the in. Alan Kowicki Driver Development Program uh, to make it, you know, to come to NASCAR and race in the Truck Series. So that's pretty cool too. Oh yeah, that's that's got to be super. I mean, just super super exciting for that. You know, I mean, that's just. Gosh, it's just you know, mean it means so much. I mean, you know, um, you know, and, and just what he's got through in his career, like I said, I I know he's had an up and down career. You know, I followed him and you know throughout you know through all his journeys. You know, and just just to see him get the opportunity just to race a truck, you know, is really neat. You know, then now you know to have him, you know, in the final one of, one of the first final driver. four. Yep, first yeah. driver to qualify as a final four candidate. Yeah, first driver is so it's going to be. It's going to be neat, you know, when the when the you know when he when he gets there, you know, to see you know how he handles the next few races, you know what, and and you know to see his you know all his prep that he's going to put it. I know he's going to put a lot of prep into it. He's got a lot of people behind him, not only in Thor Sport, but also from a super late model super late model program. He's got a lot of a lot of good people behind him, you know, that are really going to you know that are really going to help him, you know, get to where you know he said you know to where he you know have the the good finishes. Carry that momentum. Well, and the other thing that was kind of cool is he said that he thought uh, Joe Shearer was a little bit more uh, nervous than he was on that final restart. Um, but he seems like he's pretty calm, cool, and collected, uh, and you know, just out there to do what he knows he needs to do. Oh yeah, he knows what he needs to do. He's he's been in this position before, maybe not in a truck. But, you know, right. another racing series, you know, so, I mean, yeah, he knows exactly what he needs to do. You know what? He's got the confidence, and he's got the willpower to do it, you know. So, I wouldn't doubt, you know, if he if he does pull it off. Yep, we'll have to wait and see. Phoenix is coming up real quick. There's two more races uh, in the truck series before they uh, move on to their season finale at Phoenix. Uh, let me see. If I can pull that up real quick here uh, for the Camping World Truck Series, they have Talladega Super Speedway on October the first, and then Homestead Miami Speedway on October the twenty-second before they go 
to uh, Phoenix on November the 4th. So this is huge uh, for these guys. Uh, Talladega, as he mentioned, is a wild card, and uh, it's going to be interesting to see what happens there. But the elimination race is Homestead-Miami Speedway. Uh, and so that's the race where we're going to figure out who are the final four, the rest of the final four, uh, to make it into the playoff race at Phoenix. Exactly. So it's 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 it's, it's exciting times for you know exciting times for Ty. You know, and uh, you know, like I said, you know, once once the, once the truck season's over, I'm sure we'll see him in his number 91 over at, at Five Flag Speedway at the Snowball Derby. You know, that's there one of the marquee go. events. That's one of the races he looks forward to. So I, you know, he's going to be there right after, you know, right after the season finale at um at Phoenix. Yep. Okay. Uh, going to the review of the race at Bristol Motor Speedway, and we know that Ty Majeski was the first uh, playoff driver to make his way into the final four at Phoenix at age 28 driving the number 66 Road Ranger Toyota for Thor Sport Racing with Crew Chief Joe Shear Jr. He won the, uh, it was his first victory in 40 Camping World Truck Series starts, his first victory in 14th Top 10 finish in 2022, and his first victory and first Top 10 finish in his series debut at Bristol Motor Speedway. That's impressive, too, that this is the first time he's raced there. Zane Smith finished second, posting his second top ten finish in three races at Bristol. It's his 17th top ten finish this season. Parker Kligerman uh, posted a third-place finish uh, for his sixth top ten finish in nine races at Bristol. Corey Heim, who finished tenth, was the highest-finishing rookie of the race. Now, Ty Majeski becomes the seventh different first-time Camping World Truck Series winner at Bristol Motor Speedway. He joins Chandler Smith, who did it in 2021, Sam Mayer in 2020, Ben Kennedy in 2016, Brad Keselowski in 2014, Rick Corelli in 1996, and Joe Rutman in 1995. So uh, we'll talk more about the points in just a minute. Uh, but um, uh, Ty Majeski downplayed his final run on Thursday night, and uh, he said it was just another restart in reality. It was the most important moment today, uh, to date in Majeski's hard scrabble career. Ty Majeski won the UNOH 200. Uh, at Bristol Speedway for his first career Truck Series win. He's now the first driver locked into the Final Four uh, to race for a championship at Phoenix. Zane Smith started at the rear of the field, but he used the pit cycle strategy to gain track position. He finished in second. Parker Kligerman, Grant Infinger, Matt Crafton were third through fifth. Then it was Derek Krause who started from the pole, finishing sixth. Stuart Friesen, Christian Eckes, Chandler Smith, and Corey Heim closed out the top ten. Smith won the two opening stages of the round of the round of eight drivers competing for that final playoff spot that did not finish within the top ten. John Hunter Nemechek was twelfth, and defending series champion Ben Rhodes was eighteenth. There were three lead changes among four drivers 
and six cautions for 49 yellow flag laps. The average speed of the race was 74.705 miles per hour. Your thoughts about uh, the race winners? Before we do that, though, I just want to say the margin of victory was 1.152 seconds. But your yeah, it was, a, it was a big margin. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was a, it was a big margin. I mean, he was he was out there. There was no way Stacey was going to catch him. You know, um, once again, you know, you, you look through the top ten, and only uh, actually three of the one, two, three of the drivers that were in the that were locked down or in the chase, you know, didn't make didn't catch a top ten. So it was a you know good run, you know, by Ty and Bain. They continued to, to to look like a, like he's a championship form. Um, mm-hmm. You know, Parker Klingerman picked up a, a really good third place finish. And, uh, you know, Grand Amphigur, you know, picking up uh, fourth place. You know, congrats to Derek Krause, you know, who finally broke the top ten. There and you go. Got, yeah, I got a good finish in sixth place. And uh, other than that, um, you know, <laughs> looking at a lot of drivers, you know, that are out that are that are good, hopefully going to be, you know, they're going to be looking for, you know, they're going to be hungry for this next race. Exactly right. We mentioned uh, the playoff drivers uh, that did not uh, get those top ten finishes this week. Uh, there was uh, uh, a few drivers that finished laps down, including Blaine Perkins uh, finishing three laps down. Matt Benedetto was one lap down. Uh, five laps down was Leland Honeyman Jr. Chase Purdy finished eight laps down. Dean Thompson was down, um, let's see, that'd be uh, 12 laps down. Uh, Raja Carruth uh, went out on lap, oh, uh, actually Chris Hacker had a suspension issue taking him out on lap 165. Raja Carruth was out on lap 44 due to an accident. Josh Rayum on lap 34 uh, due to an accident. And Spencer Boyd had an accident, taking him out of the race uh, very early on lap 25. Uh, It was uh, not a good day for those folks. Um, But uh, these guys uh, were racing hard. Oh, yeah, they were. I mean, you know what? When you when you when you look at what's on the line, you know, a race win every week. You know, an important mm-hmm. race when you know, a, you know, a race when you know everybody's after. You know, you know they're gonna they're gonna put their they're gonna put their um you know they're gonna put everything on the line. You know, to try and grab it. You know, whether they're in the chase or not. You know, a race win is a race when you know it goes a long way. You know, getting getting set up for you know for next season. It, it really does. Matt Crafton uh, might very well be doing that because he came home with that top five finish. He did not make it into the playoffs for the first time since the playoff system has been put into place. And um, But that's not stopping Matt Crafton from having some good runs here. Oh, no, it's not. It's definitely not stopping him. Okay, I mentioned before, two more races, Talladega and uh, Homestead-Miami before they get to the uh, championship race at Phoenix in November. So uh, 
The next time we'll see the uh, truck series on track will be October the 1st uh, at Talladega Super Speedway. And that's such a big wild card for all these drivers. Do you have any yes, favorites it is. And it, it, to win at Talladega? You know, it's going to be hard because, you know what, you got the drivers who are already out of the chase who are just racing for for the trophy. You know, then, of course, then you got the ones that are in the, that are in the chase that are racing – you know, to make it to the next round, you know, to yeah. the final round. So, you know, you got a lot of a lot of scenarios out there. And, uh, you know, you got drivers that are racing to keep their seats for next year, too. So, That's you know, the true. scenarios fact, just keep going. Go ahead. I was going to say, in fact, uh, Jesse Little announced last week that the uh, truck race at Bristol was going to be his last race. Uh, I believe he's going to take on a job still within the organization, uh, but he's not going to be behind the wheel. So uh, we won't be seeing Jesse Little on the racetrack uh, for at least for a while, unless he wants to, uh, uh, you know, do something else uh, later. But he's, he was yeah. racing for Young's Motorsports. Uh, and uh, I guess he's going to uh, do something in, internally, uh, but he's not going to be on the track anymore. Yeah, which is, I mean, at least he's still involved in NASCAR, you know, so there's always that possibility he can think of a ride here or there. I mean, we've seen it, you know, we see it all the time, you know, for different, you know, different drivers, you know, that, you know, they need a sub or, or, you know, they decided, you know, they, there's a certain track they like, they just want to do a one-off, you know, they, they get sponsorship for it, they come out and race it, so. Oh. Well, he says he's still going to be know, at the track. He's, he's just going to yeah. be taking an internal job. Yeah, but I'm saying that, I mean, there could still be a sponsor or somebody, you know, like them. Sure. You know, might come by and say, hey, Jesse, you know, why don't you go ahead and, you know, use sponsorship, you know, for, a, you know, just a one-off, one-off race deal. You know, I mean, you can see him jump back, you know, jump back That's in a, in true. a, you know, in a truck. That's true. Uh, I also want to get your thoughts about the all-star race at uh, North Wilkesboro and the fact that they added the truck series to that same weekend. Uh, that's pretty exciting. Oh, yeah, it is. It's really exciting. You know what? The, something, you know, NASCAR is trying, you know, but with, uh, you know, doing the all-star race, you know, different tracks. You know, it's going to be neat to see, you know, where they, you know, where they end up, you know, East Coast, West Coast. I'm sure we're we're going to see a lot of East Coast stuff, you know, since you know most of the tracks are. But you know, I'm sure we'll get them out here. I mean, I think Phoenix will have a good shot at getting All Star Race. It's a little one mile track, little fun mm-hmm. track. You know what? And the drivers will like it. So there's there's a good possibility that we could see them, you know, come out to uh, here, there, you into uh, into the, the uh, reconfigured Auto Coast Speedway where they finish it. Well, and that, that's uh, very true. It'll be exciting to see it, though, at North Wilkesboro in 2023. Um, and and I'm so happy to see that the Truck Series will be racing during that same weekend. Also, the Milwaukee Mile is back on the Truck Series schedule for next year, so that was exciting to see as well. Yeah, it was. was really exciting to see it, you know, and, um, you know, to see, you know, you know, as as a major player, you know, in one of the series, you know, it's going to be, you don't need to see how, you know, how well they, how, how much they can do to, 
you know, to that place to make it look nice and, you know, and be a, uh, 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 kind of like a warm welcome for the for the drivers as well as the fans. That's right. Okay, uh, we're a little ahead of schedule, but I'm going to go ahead and move on, Sal. If that's all, unless you've got something else you wanted to mention uh, in the chart. Yeah, we can do the points. Yes, so that's right. We've got to do the points. <laughs> Let's do yeah, that. So, ba- ba- so basically, we're just going to do the, the just the points, you know, for the for the um for the playoffs. Yes. Okay, so so right now Ty Bajeski is already locked in. So uh he's gonna be cruising, you know, wait waiting to see you know, if if he gets locked into the uh actually he's locked in the top four with not top not he's not locked into he's locked into Phoenix, I'm sorry. He's already locked into Phoenix. So right. second is Chandler yeah, second is Chandler Smith. Third is Lane Smith. And fourth is Stuart Friesen on the bubble with um, John Hunter Nemechek only nine points behind. Christian Ecke, 13 points behind. Grant Ensinger, 15 points. And Ben Rhodes, 18 points. So that last yeah, spot that's... at 19, that's going to be a Go good little spot. That's going to be a good spot, ninth, because even, even Zane is in trouble in that spot. And, and even to a point, even... Possibly Chandler Smith could be in trouble, you know, with, with losing his spot. You know what? Um, we got to see that uh, that uh, chase scenario thing, you know, with uh, help. Well, Grant Infinger is pretty good on those super speedways, and that's a home track for him. So I think uh, we may see one of those drivers that are below the cut line uh, get a win in one of these next couple of races. And I'm thinking it's going to be Grant Infinger at uh, – Talladega. Yeah, that, that's a good pick. Also, um, I don't. John Hunter Nemechek's been kind of on been on a been on a skid. So I mean, that that maybe maybe that could be a breakout race for him too. But I don't know. He he's like he's when he gets on a skid, he stays out for a while. He doesn't snap out of it as fast as he used to. Yeah, and it's a little surprising me to me, uh, but still not, uh, that Ben Rhodes, last year's defending champion, uh, is eighth. He's certainly in jeopardy of uh, not making it into the Final Four uh, at Phoenix. So we'll see what he can do at Homestead, Miami. He has won there. Uh, He'll probably be my pick for Homestead, Miami, but uh, it's not going to be easy. Oh no, it's not going to be easy for none of them because they're going to they're going to be wondering with what what the chase scenario is. You know, do I back off? Do I do I keep racing hard? What do I do? And man, if I if I was in that position, I wouldn't be thinking. Last thing I'd be thinking about is you know, which uh, which uh, which one am I going to lay back in? Mm-hmm. Well, the thing is. Nobody is secure except for Ty Majeski at this point because, uh, like you mentioned, yeah. uh, some of those guys that are above the cut line, if they have a bad day or one of the bottom drivers win, it's going to drop one of them below that cut line. So it's going to be – got to watch and, these next couple of races. Oh, yeah, and we've seen it in the cup and we've seen it in the Xfinity what happens. I mean, we just when we get to the cup race, we're going to see a lot of drivers that had <laughs> that had issues that thought that they were – they're the next thing, and all of a sudden, boom. Yeah. You know, that was it. 
Okay, let's go ahead and move on now to the uh, Xfinity Series at Bristol Motor Speedway, uh, the 41st Annual Food City 300. Uh, the race winner was Noah Gregson at the age of 24, driving the number nine Bass Pro Shops True Timber BRCC Chevrolet for Junior Motorsports. His crew chief was Lucas Lambert. Uh, it was his 11th victory in 128 Xfinity Series starts. Um, this is his career-high sixth victory and 19th top ten finish this year. So he's having an amazing year. Third straight win came this weekend. Uh, this is his second victory and fourth top ten finish in six races at Bristol Motor Speedway. Brandon Jones, who finished in second place, Posted his sixth top ten finish in 13 races at Bristol, and his tenth top ten finish this season. Uh, what a what a heartbreak for Brandon Jones, who finished second in the Arkham Menard Series and second again in this uh, Xfinity Series. Then Austin Hill uh, finished third. He posted his first top ten finish in the series in his series debut at Bristol Motor Speedway. Uh, and he was also the highest finishing rookie. Um, now, Daniel Hemrick and Ryan Sieg, uh, well, we'll get into that in a minute. But this was the season finale uh, for the ARCA, I'm sorry, for the Xfinity Series. Um, so we'll talk a little bit more about that when we get into the points. Um, make it three in a row for Noah Gregson, though. He built enormous momentum as the Xfinity Series moves into its seventh seven-race playoff stretch. Uh, when a caution flew with 28 laps to go, Noah Gregson stayed out to uh, keep take the race lead. Despite being the only car to stay out, he went on to lead the last 25 laps uh, on his way to victory lane. Now, the Xfinity Series... Uh, this is Gregson's third consecutive win uh, to enter the playoffs and his second win at Bristol Motor Speedway. In a valiant late race charge, Brandon Jones uh, ended up finishing second, just over a tenth of a second behind Gregson. Then it was Austin Hill, Sam Mayer, and Riley Earps rounding out the top five, and they were followed by A.J. Allmendinger, Josh Berry, Stefan Parsons, that's his best career finish. Uh, Justin Algauer and Ryan Sieg to round out the top ten. So, uh, again, it was a really close racing. Uh, stage one was won by the 54 of Ty Gibbs, who led the entire stage. Justin Algauer won the second stage. There were six lead changes among five drivers and eight cautions for 58 yellow flag laps. The average speed of the race was 80.996 miles per hour. Your thoughts about those top ten? You know, once again, another black black eye for Noah Gregson, the way he raced. Ty Gibbs early in the race, you know, taking out, um, uh, not not only not, I mean, hitting Ty Gibbs, but taking out Sheldon Creed. Um, mm mm-hmm. Racing three wide that early in the race was uncalled for, in my opinion. Yeah, I'm happy Noah got the win, got you know three in a row. Man, it was an exciting win. But um, I'll tell you, uh, I you felt know, bad for Sheldon. 
I, I felt really bad. And you know what? And, and once again, no one got lit up on social media about that move. You know, everybody went in there and said, you know, what, what's going to happen next year when he gets the cup? He's not going to be able to race like that because they're not going to put up with it. You know, that and, is and, the truth. <laughs> you know, and you would think he would, he would already learn, you know, but I don't know. It's just, it's no be no, you know, then of course he wants to be a showman after the race, you know, and try and get all the fans behind his back. But man, come social media time, you know what? And, and you know what? And, and I don't know. I just, you know, yeah, I, I don't know what to think about him because anymore. Because Noah's just, already punched his ticket into the playoffs. And Sheldon yeah. was in a must-win situation. He needed that win. And it was, it, it was a very light tap. I forget who is the driver he hit. He hit another Ty driver. Gibbs. Ty Gibbs, Ty that's Gibbs. right. He hit Ty Gibbs very Gibbs. lightly in the back of his uh, car, but it was enough to uh, give him a wiggle, and that wiggle ended up taking out Sheldon Creed. Uh, I was happy to see that Sheldon Creed did see the re- replay before they did his um, interview. Uh, and so he could see exactly what happened there, uh, but yeah, it, it was kind of it was very disappointing for Cheryl Sheldon Creed. He was in that must-win situation, and it always gets me when these drivers say they have to do those kind of things uh, in order to win. Uh, he didn't have to do that. He had his ticket punched already into the playoffs, so that was not a must-win situation for Noah Gregson. It wasn't, you know, he and he could have showed a little respect to his fellow driver, you know what, and 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 let him let him basically choose his own destiny. Don't choose the destiny for him, you know. And and I mean, you know, a lot of people, you know, they they're praising all for what he did. But like I said on social media this week, it was it was just more people just like that move that than happened. than liked it. Yeah, a lot of fans are they're down on him again because you know. When when, he, when is he going to get it? When is he going to learn? When is he going to realize that? You know, well, probably like when that. he gets to the Cup Series, he'll figure it out. Yeah. But, okay. I mean, you know, Any other thoughts uh, on the top ten? Now? Yeah, Austin Hill back up there in the top three. What about um, Stefan Parsons? You know, I've never seen him have that kind of finish. Yeah, I. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Okay. Um, also, there were a few cars finishing laps down. Uh, the race went for 300 laps. Uh, actually, starting the only the top 14 drivers uh, finished all 300 laps, and then there were several drivers who. Uh, uh, finished a lap down, including, let's see, Sammy Smith, Jeb Burton, Jeremy Clements, Kyle Weatherman, Sage Karam, Ryan Ellis all finished a, a lap down, Ryan Ellis, and then these drivers all finished uh, two laps down. That's Daniel Hemrick, Josh Williams, Myatt Snyder, and Joe Graff, Jr., Three laps down were C.J. McLaughlin, Chris Wright, and Alex LeBay. Then you get into um, six laps down, I guess that is. Patrick Emmerling, Ronnie Bassett Jr., and Nick Sanchez. Uh, And then more laps down, you got uh, 
David Starr, Bobby McCarty. Uh, Mason Massey had an oil line issue, taking him out of the race on lap 271. J.J. Yaley uh, had an accident that took him out on lap 220. I'm sorry, 267. B.J. McLeod uh, had a brake issue, taking him out on lap 267. Uh, Landon Castle uh, was way down. He was down multiple laps. Uh, I believe that's 22 laps down. Uh, but he was still running at the end. Ty Gibbs uh, went out on an accident on lap 129. Sheldon Creed in that same accident, but out on 128. And Brandon Brown had an early accident, taking him out on lap 45. So uh, not the day that some of those guys were looking for. Oh, no, it wasn't. It was a, it was a crazy it was a, it was crazy. I'll just tell you that the whole weekend in racing was crazy. Uh, you think it was crazy for Xfinity? Wait till we get to the Cup. I know. I mean, uh, well, let's talk about the regular season champion because there was a regular season champion at the end of this race uh, that was able to celebrate that that beat. Yeah, that, that yeah, that was AJ Allmendinger got the um, end up to be the the regular season. Excuse me, the regular season champion, which I know he's excited for that. But I think he'd have been more yes. excited had he um, had he been uh, had he gotten the um, a win, <laughs> you know, yeah, under, under his belt. But he does get <clears throat> yeah, those fifteen extra bonus points, which is almost like getting three wins. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He'll get that for the next for the next race. Oh. Mm-hmm. So, um, in, anyways, where our points goes. Um, you know what? I'm gonna, I'm gonna do the do playoff planning. Yeah, I was. I went to the other ones, but you know what? We're we're just gonna do the uh, do the playoff standings. They're, they're more. This is how they line up going into the that. first race of their first round. Yeah. So we got Noah Gregson, uh, Ty Gibbs, Justin Algeyer, AJ Allmendinger, Josh Berry, Austin Hill. Brandon Jones, and what about Jeremy Clements? Jeremy Clements and yep. Sam Mayer tied at zero, but since Jeremy Clements has the win, Jeremy Clements gets the gets the knot up in the in the top, and then below the cut line we have Sam Mayer. Him and Jeremy Clements are tied. Daniel Hamrick is two points out. Riley Herbst is three, and Ryan Sieg is four points out right now below the cut line. That, that is, is close. I mean, that means any one of them could get a win that could put them above that cut line and uh, displace somebody else. Uh, what do you they think even about displace, that? They can even displace Brandon Jones because Brandon Jones is only five points to the good. Isn't that amazing? And he's in seven. Yeah, so, and Josh Berry even has a shot at losing it. He's only 17 points to the good. So if he goes out early, like the way uh, um, Kyle Larson went out early a couple weeks mm-hmm. ago, well, yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, like the way Ty Gibbs went out early too. I mean, he he that that could be a devastating blow to him. But um, you know, you're looking at a lot of a lot of different scenarios here. You know, as far as um, you know, the first race of the, you know, their first race coming back. You know, with the with the reset points. Um, mm-hmm. Noah's looking Noah's looking really good at 46. But like I said, Sam Mayer, Hamrick, Herbst, Sieg, Clements, and Jones. 
Boston Hill, and even Josh Berry. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and and, you know, and it it is tight, you know, and and uh, it's and if we keep having the racing we're having, it's going to be really exciting. (laughs) You know, to see who, um, you know, see who's going to be fighting, you know, for that. Go ahead. Their playoff round of 12 begins at Texas Motor Speedway uh, next weekend. And uh, then they go to October 1st at Talladega and October 8th at the Charlotte Motor Speedway Road Course, uh, where that will be an elimination race on October the 8th, where they pair down from 12 to 8 drivers. Uh, following that, October 15th, they're racing at Las Vegas Motor Speedway. Uh, October the 22nd, Homestead, Miami, and October the 29th, they'll be racing at Martinsville, another elimination race. But that race will determine who the final four drivers are that will race in the season finale on November 5th out at Phoenix Raceway. So that's what's left here in the the, uh, Xfinity Series. It's going to be exciting. It's going to be an exciting finish. I mean, um, even the even the last race, I, I know Noah's feeling really, really super confident right now. You know, three wins, three three you know three in a row all the races he's had this season. But um, there's a lot of drivers there that 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 feel that they owe Noah one. So I mean, it's going to be tough. Ty Gibbs is one of them. That Ty Gibbs will go after mm-hmm. him. We've seen yep. him do it before, and Ty. You know what? It, it was like I, one of the drivers said, you know, you know, you never know when it's going to happen. It's going to happen when you just expect it, you know, when it really counts. And I think I think they're all waiting. They're all waiting for Phoenix. And I think Phoenix yep. you know, is going to have a big target on them. And I, I really don't – I mean, as much as I like to pick Noah to win the championship, I just don't think his fellow drivers, they're going to make sure he doesn't win it. Well, well, we've got to tune in and find out what happens next here in the Xfinity Series. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay, exactly. Okay, let's uh, move on now to the NASCAR Cup Series. Uh, they race the 62nd Annual Bass Pro Ships Shops Night Race. Uh, and Chris Busher, uh, that was so great to see, age 29, driving the number 17 Fast and All Ford for RFK Racing and crew chief Scott Graves. It was his second victory in 250 Cup Series starts and his first victory in ninth top ten finish this season. Uh, this victory, this was his first victory and third top ten finish in 13 races at Bristol. Chase Elliott finished second, posting his second top 10 finish in 12 races at Bristol, and it's his 18th top 10 finish this season. William Byron finished third, posting his third top 10 finish in eight races at Bristol. Harrison Burton was 16th, and he was the highest finishing rookie of the uh, race. Now, uh, the Cup Series uh, season becomes the fifth different season to reach 19 different wear- winners. Uh, the series most in a single se- season, joining the 1956, 58, 61, and 2001 seasons. Among the five seasons to reach 19 different winners uh, in the 22 season, uh, they reached the record in the fewest races 
were 29 races. The previous record was 36 races in 2001. So uh, on fewer races, they've got 19 different winners uh, to join other uh, years where it took them longer to get to those 19 winners. Exactly. It's gonna. It was. Uh, go ahead. No, that's okay. I was no. just gonna say, no, uh, was... Chris. Go ahead, Sal. No, I was just saying it was. A, it was a long streak for them to finally get that yeah. win. And, and yes, of all drivers, we 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 thought all season was gonna be Keselowski that was gonna you know that was gonna pick up a win and look at it and it'd be Chris Boucher who had, ends up to be the driver that that Brad had when he started the. When he came on, yep. you know, to be a partner, this was the this was a driver that Brad had picked to come into the, you know, he, they talked about it. You know, he said, "Yeah." He goes, "He goes, I picked a driver." He goes, "That really, that really deserved this spot." He goes, and it was Chris Boucher. He said that I chose. Well, and I'm looking at getting they, the... they both had good races. Uh, Chase Elliott was pursuing him relentlessly, though, for 50 laps. Uh, Chris Boucher held on to win. Uh, at Bristol becoming the 19th different Cup Series winner this season. And after the event that set the field for the round of 12 in the series playoffs and eliminated superstars Kyle Busch, Kevin Harvick from the postseason, a dozen drivers uh, were able to breathe a sigh of relief and hoping fervently for a return to stock car uh, sanity in the next round. Now, Chris Buescher won that race out of Bristol Motor Speedway on Saturday night. The win was the first of the year, the first at Bristol Motor Speedway, and the second career win. He, again, is the 19th different winner this season. Elliott finished second, followed by William Byron, Christopher Bell, Kyle Larson, Ross Tastain, A.J. Allmendinger, Cole Custer, um, why does that not sound right? Is that right, Cole Custer? <laughs> uh, Denny yeah. Hamlin and Kevin Harvick. For some reason, that didn't sound right to me. Uh, the pole winner was Eric Almarola. He spun out early and had mechanical troubles late. He finished 28th. Several playoff drivers had troubles during the race. Midway through uh, stage one and two, Cindric had a flat tire and had to pit under green. He lost four laps. He stayed out of trouble the rest of the time and finished 20th. On lap 93, the 12 of Blaney had a tire go down. He got into the outside wall and broke a right rear toe link. He lost nearly 150 laps while the team repaired the car, and he finished 30th. About halfway through, Kyle Busch lost an engine and could not continue. He finished 34th and was eliminated from the playoffs. On lap 277, Daniel Suarez was involved in an accident with the number 47 of Stenhouse Jr. Uh, Bowman, Ruddick, and Dillon were also involved. Bowman could not continue. He ended up finishing 32nd, and Dillon's team could not repair the car either, so he finished 31st. Suarez continued and ended the evening in 19th place. Logano had a flat tire around with around 100 laps left and had to pit under green. He later went behind the wall and ended up finishing 27th. Those drivers that advanced to the round of 12 playoffs are Chastain, Sendrick, Larson, Elliott, Hamlin, Briscoe, Brainy,
Bell, Logano, Byron, Bowman, and Suarez. Drivers who were eliminated include Austin Dillon, Kevin Harvick, Tyler Reddick, and Kyle Busch. Stage one was won by Keselowski. Stage two by Christopher Bell. There were 12 lead changes among six drivers and 11 cautions for 80 yellow flag laps. Your thoughts about the top ten here? Yeah, the top ten was was exciting. Um, you know, to see uh, uh, Chris uh, Chris Bush get the win, but you know, you got you had to feel bad for um, especially after the announcement. You know, Kyle Busch going to Richard Childress Racing and then losing yeah. a second motor in the last in the last three races. That's just unheard of. You don't lose two motors in three races. You know, I, I, I know, know there's a lot of there was a lot of controversy on social media about it. You know, there was you know. This is just Joe Gibbs' way, you know, you know, saying a message to Kyle. And, you know, whether it is or isn't, I mean, these, these are, I, I just couldn't believe it, two motors and two motors and three races. But either way, know. you know, going back to the, going back to the top ten, you know, you're starting to see, you know, who's, who's going to be a factor or who might be the well, factor, you know, when it comes to uh, the championship, you know. And, and when I was in Vegas a couple weeks ago, you know, a buddy of mine told me, he goes, so who you put your money on? And this is when it all first started. I said, you know what? I have no idea. I said, because I said, uh, it could be, you know, a cup driver didn't even win the first race. The first race. Yep, yep. Well, so it's going to be interesting. It's going to be doubt. really interesting. So uh, I, I tell you, all of these races are do-not-miss races at this stage of the game, and uh, fans will want to definitely tune in. Your thoughts, though, uh, about the top ten there, uh, Kevin Harvick and, and all those guys that uh, were struggling? Yeah, they were struggling. They had bad races last race out, and, you know, they come back this week. You know, this is the races, you know, they all needed. Well, Kevin was almost in a muscle situation anyway. But, you know, you look back, you know, you look at the season you know, that they're having, you know, what's going on now. And uh, I'll tell you, it's it's going to be a toss-up when it comes to uh, when it comes to the four that are going to make it to um, to uh, Phoenix. That's true. Uh, one thing that did happen uh, that was just announced is that uh, Kyle Busch's crew is going to move over to Denny Hamlin's team, and he's going to have Denny Hamlin's crew. Uh, and that's because Denny's in the playoffs and, and Kyle is not. Uh, is I'm wondering how that's going to go over with Kyle Busch. Oh, it's, he, he's going to do what he, what he does, just go out there and try to win races and, you know, not try not to say much. Like he did after his motor went, you know, he walked straight yep. to, his, to his coach, you know, went inside and, then, you know, they came out later, you know, and he gave his interview. You know, when it cooled off, you know what, didn't want to come out and say anything bad, especially, you know, with, with the announcement he had just made. You know, right. you know, you know, I mean, and we know the way Kyle is already. So, so um, it's going to be interesting to come, uh, you know, come the rest of the season, you know, how he's going to handle it. Yes, it is. Um, and it's, it's kind of a shame because it kind of makes him a lame duck. But I would not put it past him to go out there and win a couple of races uh, before this is all said and done. 
Oh yeah, I expect I expect the same thing. I expect for him to go out and win a you know a couple more races, you know, before the you know, before the season, you know, finally comes to an end. Okay. Again, several drivers uh ended up uh finishing a lap or more down. Uh only twelve drivers ran all five hundred laps. Uh Brad Keselowski is the first driver uh to finish a lap down. Two laps down was Chase Briscoe. Three laps down were three drivers, Corey LaJoy, Harrison Burton, and Cody Ware. Uh, then there was Daniel Suarez, uh, who is uh, four laps down. Todd Gilliland. Let's see, what am I missing here? Cody Ware was one of the drivers, three laps down. Daniel Suarez was six laps down. Or, I'm sorry, Todd Gilliland was four laps down. Then it was Daniel Suarez that was six laps down. Uh, Austin Sendrick finished seven laps down. Uh, then um, it was Landing Castle out on lap 492, along with J.J. Yaley. Eric Jones, I mean, uh, those two drivers, Eric Jones and Landing Castle out on lap 492. Uh, J.J. Yaley and B.J. McLeod were both out on lap 491. Tyler Reddick uh, went out on lap four. 69, Ty Dillon on lap four, 57, Joy Logano on lap four, 37, Eric Almarola on lap four, 18, then it was Bubba Wallace on lap four, 08, uh, let's see, suspension, uh, steering issue for Ty Dillon, it was a suspension issue for Joey Logano and a steering issue for Eric Almarola. Uh then Bubba Wallace and Ryan Blaney both finished laps down. Um the damaged vehicle policy took out Austin Dillon on lap two seventy nine. Uh, Alex Bowman and uh, Ricky Stenhouse taken out uh early because of accidents. Kyle Busch had an engine expire, taking him out on lap 469. Ty Gibbs had steering issues along with Martin Truex Jr., taking them both out of the race uh, fairly early. Lap 265 for Gibbs and 198 for Martin Truex Jr. Any other thoughts there? Now you kind of hit all, you know, you know everything that happened, you know, as far as, you know, all the all the bad luck and everything that these drivers have been having. Um, we only got a couple minutes, but going probably should hit the points. Yeah, we're going to have to hit the points real quick. Go ahead. Yeah, so so the Cup Series playoff standings after Bristol, after the round of 12, we got Chase Elliott in first. This is with the this is with the reset. Chase, mm-hmm. Chase Elliott in first. Joey Logano in second. Ross Chastain in third, Kyle Larson in fourth, William Byron in fifth, Danny Hamlin in sixth, Christopher Bell in seventh, with Brian Blaney eighth, and below the round of eight on the cutoff is uh, Chase Briscoe, who's uh, four points below Ryan Blaney, Alex Bowman, who's uh, six points, Ryan Blaney and Daniel Suarez are both six points, and Austin Cedric is seven points below Ryan Blaney, but when you go back to look, you're looking at Danny Hamlin, Christopher Bell, and Ryan Blaney are all tied. Three-way tied for the bottom spot. A three-way tie, yeah, for the bottom. And then there's only seven points that 
that uh, that when you go down to the bottom twelfth, which is Austin Cedric, that that um, that's, uh, that's got all them separated. So it's going to be tight for these next for these next few races until we get to uh, until we get to uh, um, Phoenix. That's true. That was an elimination race at Bristol Motor Speedway for the Cup Series. Uh, so now they're going to start their round of 12 at Texas Motor Speedway, September the 25th, uh, Talladega Super Speedway on October the 2nd, and then the Charlotte Motor Speedway Road Course on October the 9th will be another elimination race. The round of eight starts at Las Vegas Motor Speedway on October the 16th, and it's uh, Homestead Miami Speedway on the 23rd, and Martinsville Speedway on October the 30th, and that's the race where it'll pare down from eight drivers to four drivers that will race for the championship at Phoenix Raceway on November the 6th. Starting to look like it could be another Joey Logano, another Joey Logano uh, championship. Well, we'll see. A lot can happen. We've seen uh, drivers have good luck and bad luck. Um, so we'll see what happens in these next uh, several races, but uh, it's going to be fun to watch. That's all I got to say. <laughs> oh yeah, and I just I just think Danny Hamlin's going to shoot himself in the foot again. Yeah, he tends to do that, but he is getting Kyle Busch's uh, crew, and we'll see if that kind of helps him. But uh, hopefully. You know, maybe he will get a championship this year. Maybe this will be his year. We'll have to wait and see. Yeah. Um, but it's time for our NASCAR Hot Topic Sound Off, Sal, so we're going to have to say goodbye. Uh, but it was good right. to have you back tonight, and we'll look forward to talking to you again next Monday night. All right. Good night, everybody. Have a good week. Have a good weekend, and we'll talk to you all next week. Good night. Okay. Take care, Sal. Okay. All right. We've got a couple people uh, joining us uh, for Hot Topic Sound Off here. I'm going to bring them into the queue. Uh, first of all, we've got Michael Orzel. Welcome to the show, Mike. hey I know you're going to introduce him here in just a second. And in case you missed my shout-out a couple uh, couple weeks ago, Tommy, congratulations, buddy. I'm so happy for you. Uh in, in case our listeners didn't remember, Tommy got married a couple weeks ago, and I knew he had a winner when I met him in person at Talladega, and he told me that she bought him tickets to his first cup race ever as a birthday present, and she took him to Talladega. <laughs> so congratulations, Tommy. Awesome. Welcome to the show, Tommy, and congratulations uh, from myself as well. We're glad to have you back. Hey, how are y'all? Thanks for having me back. Uh Thank y'all for the uh the wishes and everything. Um yeah, it's been great. We uh we got married um on September ninth and then we took off on September eleventh to Maui and uh I've missed the last two races, so um I got a lot of catching up to do, but it was a lot of fun. Oh wow. So you were out in Hawaii. Wasn't Andy out in Hawaii too? Mike? Yeah, I think he was. I, I, I'm pretty sure, uh, based on, if nothing else, the time zone references that he was he was given for why he was missing the races this past weekend, I think he was out in Hawaii. Yeah, I think he was. So that's funny that you guys didn't bump into each other. Not that it's not a small place. It's probably pretty big. 
That's pretty cool. I didn't even know that. Um, I would have been on the lookout for him, which I was in Maui, so I don't know if he was on a different island, but I was on Maui the whole time. So, But, yeah, we were six hours behind. So Monday night football was a 2 o'clock, 3 o'clock afternoon game. <laughs> yep, that's pretty cool. Okay, well, it's time for us to get into our hot topic sound off. Jay's not going to be able to join us tonight, so it's just the three of us. Uh, Tommy, why don't you kick us off tonight? All right. Well, let's go with, um, let's see here. Uh, let's go with, uh, Kozlowski wants Roush Fenway to be a, eventually be a four car cup team. Okay. Uh, Mike, your thoughts about that? Yeah, this is a, this is really interesting. Uh, obviously, Brad Keselowski coming over to Roush Fenway. Now, Roush Fenway Keselowski racing has had a lot of major changes. Uh, we saw, obviously, a big part of that with them winning this weekend. Not just winning, but they dominated. Brad Keselowski led probably a third of the race. Chris Buescher led another third and won the race. And that just left about a third of the race left for everybody else to, to kind of scrabble among themselves. So, yeah, Roush Fenway Keselowski racing was very, very strong this past weekend. Hopefully, they're building momentum and that momentum stays they've had a rough start to the season yes they won their dual races at daytona but it was a really sharp downhill swing from there between the penalty for the number 16 and just kind of not wonderful performance some flashes here and there but by and large kind of a forgettable season uh for uh, for rosh fenway kozlowski unfortunately and joe coming up on this weekend um expanding to a four-car team is great to hear Fans who were running in the 90s remember back when Roush was a five-car team and a dominant one at that. They were they had some of the best cars, the best drivers, and were winning on a regular, very regular basis through the 90s and the early 2000s, and then just kind of faded away, downsized to three and now two cars. So to see them with ambitions to grow back into a four-car team is great. Where those charters and where that growth is going to come from, obviously, I don't think they're there yet. Even if somebody just dropped two charters in their lap, I don't know that that organization is ready to field four competitive cars yet. But it's great to see the fresh ownership there, namely Brad Keselowski, bringing this ambition to regrow the team back to what it was in the 90s and 2000s. I really look forward to seeing it. Yeah, I thought it was uh, really great to see Keselowski running up front. It was kind of like, where's he been all season long? Uh, and then to see him doing so well this weekend, and then for Chris Buescher to win the race, uh, it was kind of a mixed feeling for Keselowski. He's, he's uh, disappointed for himself, but uh, super happy uh, for uh, RFK to get that win with Chris Buescher and, and happy for Chris Buescher. Um and for them to come to a four-car team again, I think that would be great. I agree with you, Mike, that it's probably uh, they're not going to do it overnight. Uh, I think they'll probably gradually move up to a four-car team, uh, especially with the Chargers situation being what it is. Um, but it would be really great to see them uh, make that uh, uh, evolution of the uh, RFK organization and come from a two-car team to a four-car team. Uh, but I'm sure it's going to be overtime. It's, it's, that you, this just doesn't happen anymore overnight. They'll have to build up to that. But they're off to a good start uh, for the first time this season to see both of those drivers do really well at Bristol Motor Speedway. 
I thought was uh, a good sign for them and how much they've learned this year that's going to help them going into next season. So we'll see how that all works out. Tommy, what are your thoughts? I think it's awesome. I mean, I miss the days of Mark Martin, Greg Bissell, uh, Matt Kenseth, and Carl Edwards, and or uh, Kurt Busch. Um, I just saw actually on uh, YouTube where Greg Biffle said that he should have left Roush um, uh, on the junior podcast. So I thought that was kind of interesting because, I mean, you know, he was pretty good in that 16 National Guard car. But um, I think it's awesome that Brad K wants to bring four cars back. I remember when he took the role last year when, or when it was first announced he was going to be part-time owner in a sixth car. He said that he wanted to get a truck team and an Xfinity team back. So, I mean, you know, Ford, I think, definitely needs something, and so does Toyota because it's like everything is Chevy. Um, and, you know, there's only Penske and Stuart Haas. I mean, there's front row, too. But it would be awesome to see Roush, Finlay, Kozlowski get four cars back. And um, if that's the case, all I can think about is, is who are they going to pull up? I mean, they got some Ford drivers like Zane Smith, um, yeah, uh, Haley Deegan, somebody they're grooming too. I mean, I feel like she's a few years to go still, but I mean, uh, Riley Herbst is there. You know, he, you know, he's all right. I mean, he's nothing special, but that's just my opinion. But he's got years to go before. But I mean, you get what I'm saying. They need a pipeline, and uh, this is going to open up more opportunities if they get four cars back. Okay, Mike. Like you said, it's going to be a while before they're able to build to uh, eventually being a competitive four-car organization. Obviously, the focus right now is getting their two existing cars, the number six and the number 17, to the point where they are regularly competitive for race wins. Yes, they look great this past weekend at Bristol, but that doesn't take away from the close to 30 races that they've been okay at best to the season. So focusing on getting those two cars that they've got currently being competitive championship contending cars, I'm sure has got to be the priority going forward. Unfortunately, it might not be the best time to be trying to expand the NASCAR team. Remember that Roush Racing's Xfinity program shut down a few years ago in the middle of the season because they couldn't get sponsorship. And because they couldn't get sponsorship, they couldn't fund the cars to continue racing in the Xfinity series. And they closed that shop up. The current economic climate in terms of, Team sponsorships, teams struggling to find sponsorship. That was well documented with Joe Gibbs Racing losing Kyle Busch for lack of sponsorship. Uh, at least that's the official reason. Um, as well as other teams struggling to find sponsorship in, uh, in full-time, long-term, multi-race deal kind of sponsors is difficult. And it, it looks like the, the general economic situation in the country may be on a downward trajectory, so it may be more challenging in the years to come to bring those partners in. So it's definitely going to be some challenges to overcome, but the thing that's most important when you're trying to sell the sponsorship is put your name uh, and advertise your company with this very competitive race team. So that's got to be their focus is getting the cars competitive, and a lot of the other problems can solve themselves once they've got those cars fast. Still there? I'm sorry, I was on mute. (laughs) Um, I was saying that we've reported this before 
but now, uh, you know, I'll, I'll just mention it again. But I see Ford is kind of in a, a rebuilding phase right now. They lost some executives uh, to Chevrolet, and now they're kind of rebuilding. And uh, Rush Fenway Racing is a great organization for them to rebuild with, with Brad Keselowski. And I like the idea of him wanting to get uh, back into the truck series as well. So uh, it's going to be fun to see what happens uh, with uh, Rush Fenway Racing uh, and Kozlowski Racing. Uh, and, and you know, you, you bring up some good points, Mike, that the economic situation is not the best right now. Uh, but that might present some opportunities for them, too. So we'll have to see what happens over these next few years and see if they're able to build up. But I would look just based on what Kozlowski was doing out at Bristol Motor Speedway. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what he does this weekend uh, at Texas and, you know, all the other races for the rest of the season uh, to see if they are definitely on that trend uh, toward being contenders next season. Uh, certainly uh, encouraging signs this past weekend at Bristol uh, with Kozlowski and Busher. So uh, can't wait to see what happens there. Uh, Tommy, your thoughts? It's, oh, I'm sorry, I could uh, break in. I forgot to throw in a, a quick plug at the end of my, my last little bit. Um, oh. If you're watching Race for the Championship this weekend or this Thursday, Brad Keselowski is one of the featured drivers. And the time span that's going to be covered is a couple weeks around the Talladega race. So I'm actually on this topic really looking forward to getting some insight of the early few months of Brad's ownership experience at RFK. And if you're interested in that topic, I suggest checking out Race for the Championship this weekend. Okay, good good plug there. Uh, okay, uh, Tommy? Yeah, I definitely want to see RFK bring back the trucks and the Xfinity program. And y'all are right about Ford being the real rebuilding. Like I said, I feel like they're rebuilding, and then I feel like Toyota needs, like, you know, a few more – seats in the cup series or just another team somewhere to compete with the Chevys and Fords. But, um, yeah, it would just be awesome to see RFK, uh, RFK return to a four car team and have trucks and Xfinity. I know that's going to be years to come, but I just can't wait to see who Ford develops and who gets those seats when that time does come. And I do hope to see them in the truck series and Xfinity series soon. Okay, sounds good. Okay, Mike, what's our next topic? Sure. Uh, Chase Elliott had some interesting comments this past week regarding, uh, I was just going to paraphrase it, but basically saying that the NASCAR season is too long and NASCAR should stop trying to compete with the NFL and maybe end the season in time to hand over the, the major media attention to the NFL, and obviously that would result in a much shorter NASCAR Cup Series season. Reference the grind that we talked about a couple weeks ago with uh, Greg, uh, Greg Eyes and a few other notable names retiring from the season. So should a shorter season be something that NASCAR should consider? Okay. Uh, Tommy, your thoughts? Um. I think he, I understand what he's saying about competing with the NFL. NFL and college football have to be like the two most watched sports um, every year. I mean, NFL is crazy. The Super Bowl is a huge event, and um, it is tough to compete with them in the fall, which is NASCAR's playoff races. Um, you know, 
maybe taking a couple races off the season wouldn't be a bad thing, but, you know, oh, I also don't know about shortening a lot. It's kind of like hockey. They play, I feel like they play year-round, or maybe it's baseball. So I do like that it does – that it is a, a long season because I can usually watch basketball and football throughout the year because uh, I don't really watch basketball and other sports. But um, at the same time, I get what he's saying because um, if you get too much of something, there's going to be races that just, you know, don't rate well. And uh, you're going to have that happen. I mean, sometimes everyone races on, like, July 4th, which, I mean, people are busy that day. It's actually kind of hard to catch that race, unless if you're a, a big fan like we are. So um, that's just some thoughts about that. But um, at the same time, like I'm saying, I don't really want to see it shortened because I like I like it being a long season. So I'm kind of conflicted here. Uh, interested to see what you guys think. Okay. Um, I, uh, Mike and I did have this conversation a while back, and and one of the what we were tying that into is the fact that a couple of crew chiefs have decided to step away from NASCAR uh, because of the grind uh, and being away from home, and so I'm sure that's where some of this is coming from. Um, that maybe the, that schedule has to needs to be shortened. I wouldn't mind if it was a couple of races, but. Part of the thing about being a premier NASCAR Cup Series team is that they do have that grind and uh, the long season. Uh, That's selfish on my part as a NASCAR fan. Uh, I want to see them race as many times throughout the year as as possible. But uh, I do understand why they would want it to be shortened. I do think, though, that... uh, uh, putting them up against the NFL is kind of a little unfair uh, because in the summertime we're up against baseball and, uh, you know, all the summer sports uh, in the uh, in the uh, NASCAR Cup Series. Uh, so fall, it's just, you know, now we're, now we're talking about the NFL. So uh, I, people do watch NASCAR. Uh, even if they, you know, record it to watch it after the uh, football game or vice versa. Maybe they watch the NASCAR race and record the football game to watch later. I don't know. But there are ways around that, and savvy race fans are going to do what they need to do uh, to watch both sports. But uh, uh, I kind of like the idea of it being longer uh, but like I say, I think that's selfish on my part because uh, of just being a NASCAR fan. Uh, the grind it takes on these families are one of the reasons why the drivers uh, slash crew chiefs uh, are looking for a shorter schedule. But, Mike, I'm curious to hear your thoughts. Well, there's a couple things to discuss here. Uh, with regard to competing against the NFL, NASCAR's tried several things over the past decade or so to try and become more competitive against the NFL, the playoffs being one major aspect of it. And by and large, that hasn't really made a dent in their ratings versus the NFL. The NFL still continues to outperform NASCAR year over year in most demographics that are measured. Obviously, the NFL season is just starting this year. NASCAR is just getting into their playoffs this year. So 
maybe there's going to be a big change for 2022, but historical trends are saying that NASCAR's attempts to try and compete against the NFL has by and large not been particularly successful. Should they continue to try? I don't know. That's the kind of the big question. I'm with you, Sharon. I'm really selfish as a race fan. I love watching racing, especially NASCAR racing. So I thoroughly enjoy having races on as many different weekends as I possibly can. On the other hand, like we talked about before, it's a massive grind for these teams because it's not just the weekends that they're going. Throughout the week, the drivers will have sponsor commitments, media obligations, et cetera. So most of their week is taken up on doing other things, including preparation for the upcoming race. The crew chiefs, the guys working in the shop on the cars, everybody works their butt off. And the current NASCAR season, to include the clash, is about 41 weeks long. There's 11 weeks in the off season. That's it. 41 weeks out of the year, these guys are traveling or working on the cars or going to sponsor all the different things that they have to do in order to keep a functioning competitive NASCAR Cup Series team. And that's a lot to ask for a lot for a lot of people, especially people who are trying to raise a family or if they've got other things going on in their life, it's a lot to ask of them. And I can completely understand the the perception that it's a grind and it's difficult. And people like Greg is weighing their options of, is it worth continuing to do this? Um, I don't know what the easy answer would be. If they wanted to end it prior to competing with the NFL, that would mean the season would need to end right around this week or so, just as the NFL season's really kicking off. So would we eliminate 10 races, 8 to 10 races from the schedule? That's a lot to take out. Uh, yeah. Maybe. They, uh, they could try and compress the schedule into keeping 36 races and adding midweek races like they did in 2020 to make up for the two months that they took off for COVID. But, man, you think it's a grind now with just one race a week. You imagine trying to, to prepare and travel for weeks with two races. It would be even more difficult for these teams to, to make it happen. So I would say if you wanted to have a long-term solution for shortening the season, you would almost certainly have to start deleting a significant number of races from the schedule in order to make that happen. As a race fan, I don't want to see those races go away. But as someone who – appreciates the amount of work and effort and time that goes into preparing for putting these races on, I can understand where that would be a beneficial uh, direction for them to go. I don't know what the solution is here. Uh, I, I don't, I feel strongly in both directions. I, I feel strongly that we should continue racing, but I also feel strongly that maybe we race a little bit too much and we're asking too much of these teams and the people who make up these teams in order to satisfy our desire to see this racing. Okay. Tommy, your follow-up? Tommy, are you? I mean, there he is. Yeah, that's fine. I'm still on mute. I'm about like you. I feel greedy that I want it to stay long, but at the same time, I get them wanting to shorten it. But you're just – they're never going to compete with the NFL, but, I mean – Diehard fans are still going to watch it, so I'm, I'm not going to let uh, I'm not going to let the NFL um, prevent um, me from watching NASCAR. So, uh, you know, I, I don't I don't want to see the season uh, short. I want it to stay long. Okay, um, I yeah, me too, 
Tommy. I'm right there with you. I want the season to stay long. I want to watch as many races throughout the season as I can. It's one of the reasons why I love NASCAR is that from February to November, I'm I'm able to watch racing just about every weekend. So um, for them to cut it short somewhere along the way here uh, would be a huge disappointment uh, for me personally, but uh, I'm sure for a lot of other race fans as well. Uh, I get that it, it competes with some of these other sports, um, but I, I just uh, I don't think that should stop us from having competitive racing, uh, especially throughout our playoffs. And and uh, we usually do still have great racing. And somewhere along the line, sometimes um, with the great racing and, and the things that build up uh, throughout the playoffs, uh, I'm sure some of those. Uh, uh, Football fans are tuning in to see what's happening with NASCAR, even if they're flipping the channels back and forth. So, Mike, you get the final thoughts here. Uh, yeah. Well, one thing. Time. Yeah, one thing to consider. Uh, Tommy kind of brought it up with regard to baseball. They play 162 regular season games plus playoff games if the teams are fortunate enough to make it to the playoffs. And the perception there for baseball is. Individual games don't necessarily matter versus you compare it against the NFL or college football where they're only playing 15 or so games for the entire season. And every game has so much more consequence because there's so fewer opportunities to be successful and to make up a deficit. So that could also translate over into NASCAR with as long as the season is right now, we've heard it referenced many times the teams who didn't make the playoffs. Oh, well, I had 26 races to get it done and we didn't get it done. Well, if you want to compress the season down and take away some of those additional opportunities, that makes each individual race, regular season race, matter just that much more. So even if we're losing races, we might not be losing that much in terms of consequence and importance. It may actually increase it for each individual race. Just something to consider there. Oh, we don't need any more intensity, Mike. (laughs) I'm just throwing that out there. Okay, Tommy, you get to bring up our next hot topic. Okay, let's see here. Let's go with, um, let's see. Let's go with Joe Gibbs swapping the pit crews for Kyle Busch and Denny Hamlin. Okay, Mike, your thoughts about that? This is a bit of a surprise because I don't know that they've had substantially different results in terms of of pit crews. The 18 team and the 11 team both seem to have roughly the same amount of time on pit road, roughly the same number of mistakes, uh, et cetera. It's not like earlier in the season with the 23 team swapping pit crews with the 20 team where there was an obvious problem with the 20 or with a 23 car and, moving those crew members over from the 20 team actually helped both of them. The 23 car has had, or I guess now the 45, Bubba Wallace's car, has had the best average finish of the entire field since the crew chief, or the pit crew change, and the 20 car has also been substantially better since then. So we're talking about when they swap those crews where maybe getting some fresh faces, different ideas, et cetera, they're going to have some, some benefits to it. That definitely has taken place between the 20 and the 23. Whether that's going to happen with the 18 and the 11 team, I don't know. I can't say for sure. I, I don't see as big of a problem that needs a solution. Maybe they're seeing something in their 
post-race analytics that they're doing where they're watching film and they're studying and they're seeing areas for improvement. Obviously, the 18 team is no longer in the playoffs, so maybe they are performing at a level somewhat better than the 11 team, and they want to put the 18 team over with the 11 car to give them the best opportunity to continue to race for a championship. I don't know. We're going to have to watch really closely and see if they see the same benefit with the 18 and the 11 as the 20 and the 23 did. Yeah, it, it is an interesting uh, swap. It's not the first time we've seen something like that happen. Uh, you, I got a feel for Kyle Busch. It seems like uh, things just aren't going his way this this season at Joe Gibbs Racing. Uh, but with Denny Hamlin still in the playoffs, this is an attempt uh, to try to give him his best chance to go after that championship. Uh, and we'll see what happens. I, I uh, you know, it would be nice if it does work out for him, uh, but this has been a tough playoff so far, and it's going to continue to be uh, pretty tough. So sometimes they can really work well for you. I think uh, the guys that did that swap uh, at 2311, uh, they did it at the right time before the playoffs, uh, uh, you know, right as the playoffs were starting, I guess. But, um uh, to do it at this stage, you've already got a whole round done, and now you're swapping the uh, team around. Uh, sometimes there's an adjustment an adjustment period that goes along with that. Uh, we'll see if that happens uh, for Denny Hamlin with his new uh, crew team. But um, yeah, it can work out really, really well. It can, you know, it just depends on the team dynamics whether or not it works out really, really well or maybe not so well as you had hoped. So we'll see what happens. Tommy? Uh, Tommy, before I let you go, I'm going to interrupt real quick and do my announcement for our first-time listeners, just to let you know that uh, we go off the air at exactly 10.30 p.m. Eastern Time here on Bamford Racing Radio, and we don't want anyone to be caught off guard not knowing uh where you can hear the rest of our conversation. You're going to hear us go off mid-sentence because we're going to continue to talk and we're going to continue to record the rest of that conversation as part of our bonus overtime material on our podcast. So when we're done here tonight, I will go out on Twitter and Facebook and let you know that the podcast is available. At that point, you can go to the player over at com and just fast-forward to that two-hour mark in order to hear the rest of the conversation. Uh, but, again, we didn't want anybody to be caught off guard and not know what to do uh, or how they can hear the rest of our conversation. So with that, Tommy, uh, your thoughts? Well, everybody's will say that, um, you know, that they were taking Kyle Bush's team away because he's going to get RCR next year, so who cares? But, I mean, he was at Bristol, and his last name is Bush, and they're really good at that track. So, um, I mean, yep. he even won the dirt race. So I don't think that's the case. Um, but, you know, Christopher Bell and Bubba Wallace had uh, pick crew changes, and that worked out. I, I believe y'all probably have already brought that up. And um, But, you know, Denny Hamlin gets Kyle Bush's team, and we'll see if it works out. But, uh I don't think it has anything to do with Kyle Bush leaving. It just happens to be ironic. But it makes for good talk anyway. And, um, you know, they did it on purpose because he's leaving. <laughs> um, but, uh, 
no. Uh, we'll just see how it goes. I mean, like I said, it worked out for Christopher Bell and uh, Bubba Wallace, but we'll see if uh, Diddy's picker gets a little bit better. Okay. So there you have it, Mike. Your follow-up. Yeah. To be honest, I don't expect a huge difference here. Uh, definitely not. Maybe I'll be wrong. I've been wrong plenty of times this year, so it wouldn't be anything new. But uh, I don't expect to see as big of a change as we saw between the 20 and the 23 teams when they swapped crews. If for no other reason we're talking about two Joe Gibbs Racing trained pit crews operating for Joe Gibbs Racing on Joe Gibbs Racing cars. At least going to 2311, you're talking about a different organization, different leadership, a little bit different dynamic, et cetera. So going to basically the next room down the hallway, figuratively speaking, within the same organization, I don't see a massive change coming here. Maybe there, maybe there will be, but probably not. And I'm with Tommy. I'm not, I'm not wearing my tinfoil hat on this one where this is some kind of an intentional slight on the part of Joe Gibbs Racing against Kyle Busch since he's heading out the door. They're going to give him one last boot on his way out or anything. No, I don't think that's the case here. I think it is a genuine attempt by Joe Gibbs Racing to at least make the 11 car as competitive as possible, if not elevate both cars. Obviously, the 18 car has not had the best couple of months here, really since the middle of summer. The 18 team has really been struggling, not really on pit road. I wouldn't, I wouldn't attribute most of their struggles to pit road problems. It's more like the, you know, two engine failures uh, in the, the previous round of 16 that took him out. I don't think you can really pin any of that on the pit crew. That's the engine shop that put together engines that couldn't hold up for the races. So a pit crew swap isn't going to make a difference there. I don't know. We'll, we'll see. It's definitely something to watch and, and keep an eye on. But to be honest, if you didn't tell me about this, there's a really good chance that none of us would even notice. Well, we'll kind of wait and see what happens. I, I know we saw a graphic uh, on NASCAR uh, pre-race. Uh, at some point here just recently, that Denny Hamlin is one of the drivers that's had more pit road penalties uh, than any other driver. So uh, from that perspective, uh, I could see why he would want to make that change. Now, the change between Christopher Bell and um, uh, 2311 Bubba Wallace is not that big of a change either because Joe Gibbs Racing provides all of the pit crews for 2311. So it's still within the Joe Gibbs Racing organization. Uh, it's not like it's two different organizations. It's, it's the same organization, similar to what it is with um, uh, what's happening at Joe Gibbs Racing between Denny Hamlin and uh, uh, Kyle Busch. It's exactly the same because Joe Gibbs Racing provides those pit crews for 2311. So uh, I, I will see what happens, but I know that Denny Hamlin's looking to reduce the number of pit road penalties that he's had this season. Some of those penalties have been for speeding on pit road, uh, so there's something going on there that he continues to speed on pit road. But uh, some of those penalties are things that are happening in the pit so I think that there might be uh, some changes uh, for Denny Hamlin, perhaps, with this change. Uh, again, time's going to be the proof in the pudding, and we'll see how that works out. Tommy? Yeah, we'll just have to see how it works out. I just think it's ironic that Kyle Busch happens to be leaving and they're swapping pit crews. But 
it's not like that. Um, Kyle Busch can still finish out the season strong with a different pit crew, and maybe Denny Hamlin gets a championship with his pit crew. So we'll see. And, um, I mean, they switch uh, crews all the time, and sometimes those guys even do Xfinity races, and then the Xfinity team sometimes even get brought up to do cup races. So pit changes happen all the time. Just ironic to, uh, how this one's working out. Yeah, I agree. Okay, Mike, what's our next hot topic? Well, we talked a lot about Kyle Busch and Silly Season and all the surprises and, and big changes that are going on with him and Joe Gibbs Racing and Richard Childress Racing now. Well, let's talk about a Silly Season move that shouldn't surprise anybody. Kyle Larson has signed a three-year extension with both Hendrick Motorsports as well as his primary sponsor, HendrickCars.com. So Kyle Larson's not going anywhere anytime soon. Yeah, it sounds like, uh, you know, he's had a uh, a good run with Hendrick Motorsports, and uh, they've obviously said that they want him back. So, Tommy, your thoughts there? I'm just kind of surprised that he's still going with Hendrick. I mean, you would have thought he'd have a different sponsor by now, but I mean, who doesn't like that five car to throw back that he's been running for two years now and even brought it back to the extended a series by Rick Hendrick. So I guess this means because I don't see Larson and Elliott going anywhere either, but, you know, never say never. You know, they maybe Chase Elliott does what his dad uh, did and, you know, forms his own team eventually. And then we have Elliott Motorsports with Junior Motorsports eventually one day um, while Gordon's <laughs> running his. So that's the future future, I guess. But, uh, you know, Kyle Larson has been dominant since he got with uh, Rick Hendrick, so not surprised. In my opinion, you know, he talks highly of Byron all the time, too, so I'm thinking that Bowman's the odd one out because I think I saw on Twitter where he's the only one that is, like, I think his contract's up in 2024 or maybe it's 2023. But either way, a lot of them are through the year 2025, 22, 25, or 2026, that area, but not Bowman. So I'm wondering if he's going to be the odd man out if they decide to uh, go in a different direction in the next couple of years. But um, I would say that Larson and Elliott and Byron are the locks. But that's just my opinion. But either way, Larson and Elliott aren't going anywhere for a long time. Okay. Uh, Mike, your thoughts? Like I said in the opening, uh, this is not a surprise at all. Kyle Larson, and this isn't just my opinion. Dale Jr. has said it. A lot of media personalities, Steve LaTarte and a lot of others have said, Kyle Larson is one of, if not the most talented driver in the NASCAR Cup Series right now. So if I'm Rick Hendrick and I have an opportunity to keep Kyle Larson driving my cars, I'm going to do it for as long as I possibly can get pen to paper. And I think it was an absolutely smart move for him to, to sign Kyle Larson. With regard to the sponsorship, apparently that's been very lucrative for, for Rick Hendrick. That HendrickCars.com sponsorship, yes, it's an in-house mm-hmm. sponsorship, and that was kind of designed as a stopgap because they couldn't get Kyle Larson other outside sponsorship when he first came to the team. But then that became so beneficial for Hendrick Cars 
that they just decided to keep it on the car, even though they have other sponsorship opportunities now. So it's great to see that not only Kyle Larson's going to be back in the five, but they're going to have solid sponsorship for the duration of that contract. Great to see. Um, he's one of those drivers that he's, he's a dynasty kind of a driver. He's the kind of driver you would want to build a team around, kind of like Jeff Gordon, kind of like Jimmy Johnson. Hendrick Motorsports has a way of finding and securing drivers to build championship teams around for a very long time. They've got two of them right now. They've got Kyle Larson in the five car, but they also have Chase Elliott in the nine. Both of them are outstanding drivers. Kyle Larson just dominated last year, 10 wins with the championship. Hasn't been as strong this year, but here comes the nine car again, who had just won the championship the previous year, is a is super strong again this year. He's the only driver with more than two wins this season. And to have them both driving for the same team owner is phenomenal. With regard to the other two cars at Hendrick Motorsports, I don't know. Uh, like Tommy said, William Byron and Alex Bowman are probably slightly less secure there. But of all the other major teams in NASCAR, it seems like Hendrick Motorsports is the most inclined to wait out a driver and give them every single opportunity to succeed in as much time as it possibly takes to develop them. Alex Bowman was down through the summer, but he's been very strong these playoffs. He had a mechanical failure leading to a crash this past weekend, but very, very strong in the first round of the playoffs. So that 48-team may be something to keep an eye on for the remainder of the playoffs. Okay, Tommy. I, I skipped myself there, but I'll I'll talk after you, Tommy. <laughs> yeah, I just I don't I don't see Elliot and Larson going anywhere in the near future. And um, he's talked highly of Byron, and you know Byron's got a few wins this year, and he had a uh, I think he had a win last year and the year before that. So I mean, and Bowman's been getting wins too. So. Tough decisions will have to be made in Hendrick the years to come if they want to bring on somebody. But uh, I feel like Bowman's that guy um, if that does happen. I mean, I did see in the Twitter sphere that, you know, they were talking about adding Kyle Bush and Bowman would, would have been the odd one out. So, I mean, maybe Bush would have gotten the 48 car with Ally. That would have been interesting. But, I mean, you know, that's just Twitter. It could be rumors that never even existed. But I thought it was a cool call. Um, but, uh, you know, Stuart Haas won a Larson really bad a few years ago when Hendrick got him, and, I mean, he's already – he won a championship in, like, ten races his first year back, and he absolutely dominated last year. So he does have two or three wins this season, I believe, like you guys are saying. I, I don't really remember where they were at. I remember him moving Chase Elliott out of the uh, way uh, at Auto Club earlier this year, though. That was pretty uh, pretty crazy. And then at uh, Watkins Glen as well. So, um, <clears throat> yeah, maybe they'll have a, a rivalry. It'll be like Gordon versus Johnson. But uh, either way, he's got really two good drivers, and, you know, he's got a pretty stacked lineup. He's got nothing to complain about. Okay. Um, as far as the 48 goes, he signed through 2023 uh, along with his sponsor, Ally. William Byron is actually signed through 2025, and he's got three different um, uh, sponsors, but Exalta is only signed through 2022, so we'll see what happens there. Uh, Liberty University has 12 races in 22, and they're signed through 26. Valvoline has two races, and they're signed through 27. So... um, it sounds like uh, William Byron is fairly secure, at least for the next couple of years. Uh, but it's next year for uh, Alex Bowman. 
and we'll see if he gets re-signed after 2023. Uh, so, uh, and the same thing's true with the sponsor. So the sponsor runs um, through the same period as uh, Alex Bowman. So uh, just to kind of set that record straight, uh, both of those guys are fairly secure for at least the next year. Uh, in Bowman's case, in the next uh, three years, it sounds like uh, for uh, Alex, uh, for uh, William Byron. Um, both of those drivers have been good drivers. Alex Bowman appears to be the weakest driver at this point. Uh, so we'll have to see uh, how that uh, continues to play out. Uh, there are certainly other drivers that are, are ready to move up, but I agree with what you said, Mike. Hendrick Motorsports tends to build their organization over stability of drivers for the long haul. And I, I, I see that kind of in play here uh, between the contracts that have already been signed for Chase Elliott and for um, Kyle Larson. Uh, with Byron signed to 2025, uh, Alex Bowman is the next uh, next driver to sign, and we'll see if they're able to sign him for a long term. But with a sponsor like Ally, uh, I think there's a good chance that they'll be able to sign him as well. So uh, I don't think we'll need to worry about it. I, I guess this started, though, with the whole idea of Kyle Larson being re-signed. I think that's smart of uh Hendrick Motorsports, and you guys are right. He gets a lot of play with Hendrick uh, HendrickCars.com on the hood of Kyle Larson, and it's uh, quite beneficial for Rick Hendrick to keep him in that fold and with that sponsorship. So uh, it's a good partnership, and uh, I don't see it ending anytime soon. Mike, you get the final word. It's quite amazing to see just how big of a change of fortune it's been at Hendrick Motorsports. You remember back about five years ago, everyone was saying, oh, Hendrick Motorsports is in a decline. They're going to be the next Roush Racing. Jeff Gordon is retired. Jimmy Johnson is old and washed up, and Hendrick Motorsports mm-hmm. is going to be a thing of the past. And now here they are with four young, extremely talented drivers winning on a regular basis. And if they're not winning, they're running up front, if nothing else, solid sponsorship, and a very secure future. So the, the people who are writing the obituary for Hendrick Motorsports, they're eating a lot more crow than I am right now, that's for sure. And it's a great time to be a Hendrick Motorsports fan. Well, those things tend to go in cycles. And with them getting those uh, Ford executives, uh, that didn't hurt them in any way, shape, or form. Okay, Tommy, the next hot topic. Okay, let's go with um... – RCR Racing has received interest in recent days from multiple uh, sponsors for Kyle Busch. Um, the tweet that uh, Adam Stern did that Mike posted. Okay, I'm looking for that. Uh, Mike, why don't you give us some background on that? Sure. I saw the tweet uh, about a week ago or so, and I, I posted it in our group there. Um and, yeah, it's, it's basically they haven't said any names as far as who is going to be sponsoring Kyle Busch in the eight car for next year. But Richard Childress mentioned it during the press conference for the announcement, as well as Adam Stern later, that there does seem to be some significant interest in sponsors for Kyle Busch for the eight car, which is really interesting because the big reason that was cited for Kyle Busch leaving Joe Gibbs Racing was that they couldn't find any sponsorship for him. So 
it really makes you wonder, did Joe Gibbs Racing actively try and pursue sponsorships or were there issues between Joe Gibbs Racing and Kyle Busch and the sponsorship thing just became a convenient thing to lean on for letting him get away? With the amount of damage that losing Kyle Busch did to Toyota, I can't imagine that they would burn the whole house down like they did, losing Kyle Busch and losing KVM, their entire development program, just because they had a personal falling out with one of their drivers. But it's really interesting that in no time at all, it seems like there's plenty of sponsorship interest in supporting Kyle Busch in this eight car that supposedly didn't exist in supporting him in his long-term successful time in the 18 car. It's really a head-scratcher. Yeah, it is a head-scratcher, and it does make you wonder if there wasn't some kind of falling out there because uh, the sponsorship, I mean, everybody was scratching their head over why can't you find sponsorship for a driver of the caliber of Kyle Busch. Um, Now, early in this whole thing, it seemed like salary was a big issue because Kyle Busch, of course, uh, is a, a top quality driver that could command a little bit heavier salary, uh, but I, I guess it's a little bit of what have you done for me lately kind of thing, and uh, uh, I don't know. It just seems like Joe Gibbs Racing uh, was half-hearted, uh, although they were saying on the outside that they were trying to to make it work. Uh, it seems looking at it in retrospect that uh, they weren't trying that hard if they couldn't find sponsorship for, for Kyle Busch. And uh, it's a, it's especially apparent now that RCR is saying that they've had a lot of interest uh, in sponsorship for Kyle Busch. So something's gone on there. There's a story behind the story, and uh, we may never know what it is, but uh, it'll be interesting. Uh, Tommy, your thoughts? Are you still there, Tommy? Okay, let me see if we lost Tommy. Whoops. Oh, it appears that uh, Tommy's call did drop. Okay, so, Mike, it's just you and me. Anything else that you wanted to say on that topic? That's unfortunate we lost Tommy. That's a shame. Um, With regard to Joe Gibbs Racing and uh, the sponsorship piece there, I'm hesitant to fault them for it because it may be a difference in approach. Um, Obviously, Joe Gibbs Racing had a long-term sponsorship with Mars, M&Ms, and the pedigree cars that that Kyle Busch ran regularly. And it seemed like they were pursuing a similar relationship to try and find a single big sponsor to cover the majority, if not all, of the 18 car. And contrast that against Richard Childress Racing, where they seem to be much more uh, satisfied to run a patchwork of sponsorship over the three and the eight cars. So it may have been a difference in philosophy as far as how they are approaching sponsorship and what they were willing to take from sponsors versus Joe Gibbs Racing. So I don't want to say that Joe Gibbs Racing intentionally did anything to sabotage the relationship with Kyle Busch or prevent him from getting sponsorship. It may very well be a difference in philosophy. We're going to have to see what the sponsorship piece looks like for the eight car for next year. If it is another patchwork of sponsors like they have for this current year and the previous years with Austin Dillon and Tyler Reddick, or if they do end up getting a big fish sponsorship for the majority of the season, kind of like what Joe Gibbs racing allegedly was trying to do and was unable to do. So definitely something to pay attention to. 
Yeah, and it, you know, with that, you would think that they might want to reconsider their sponsorship model uh, if uh, the, it cost them uh, the driver a driver of the caliber of uh, Joe Gibbs Racing. I mean, of um, uh, Kyle Busch, and they lose, uh, you know, that pipeline with Kyle Busch Motorsports too. So that was a big faux pas, I think, on the part of Joe Gibbs. If it's a sponsorship model, uh, they, they really need to look at that and um, see what they can do. Okay. Um, I don't know if you've got another topic you want to put on the table here, Mike, or if you want to call it a night. Looking through them, we really, we've got one big one to chew on that we've talked about before with next-gen reliability, but we can probably wait on that because it's going to be a bigger discussion, but we'll probably wait for Thursday for that one uh, if that sounds good yeah, to I you. Think, I think uh, Jay wants to be a part of that conversation, so, yeah, that's a good idea to hold that off. Um, but, okay, let's go ahead and do uh, the across the table since there's only the two of us. The uh, I'm sorry, the what now? Across the table instead of the round table. There's only oh, yeah, fair enough. Yeah, it's uh, Mike underscore Zell on Twitter, Mike double underscore O on Reddit. Um, really not a whole lot to uh, to promote here. I'll, maybe I'll, I'll see if I can come up with something to write here by the end of the season. But the stories are kind of writing themselves, and we're talking about them uh, pretty heavily here. So uh, I'll keep you posted on that, and looking forward to talking to you on Thursday. All right. Uh, that's good to know that uh, you're going to come back on Thursday night. Uh, I am Fan for Racing site on Twitter, Fan for Racing blog and radio everywhere else, including fanforracing.com. And um, uh, definitely uh, enjoyed doing the show tonight. We had Sal Segala back. Uh, we did have the media interview uh, with Ty Gibb, uh, Ty um, Majeski, the winner of the NASCAR Truck Series race at Bristol, and the first driver in the uh, truck series to find their berth or secure their berth in the final four for Phoenix Raceway. So uh, congratulations to Ty Gibbs there. Um, And uh, definitely appreciate all of our listeners for tuning in. We appreciate each and every one of you, uh, whether you're listening to the live broadcast or our podcast. Uh, We will be back again on Thursday night at 8.30 p.m. Eastern Time to preview the races at Texas Motor Speedway uh, that are coming up this weekend. So uh, look for Jay and I to be back for that. And as uh, Mike alluded to, we'll be back for a Hot Topic Sound Off at 10 o'clock on Thursday night as well. So uh, with that, I think we're ready to call it a night, uh, Mike, and uh, we'll look forward to talking to you again. Uh, with some big hot topics on uh, Thursday night. All right. Sounds great. Good night, everybody. Good night, all.
With the Lucky Land Plus, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.